Hey guys, welcome to Some Assembly Required, the monthly talk show that brings together members from the Australian podcasting community. I'm one of your hosts, Dash from DashGamer.com, and this month we've assembled Kat from Play2HQ. Hi, Kat. Um, Zach from Well Played. G'day. G'day, Zach. Uh, Mr. Ryan Betson from The Pop Culturist. There you go. There you go. Mr. Dylan Blight from The Explosion Network. How the bloody hell are you? Oh, what the hell is this? It's a follow-up from that. It's a follow-up from what the a uh, couple of weeks, the last couple of months ago, when we had that big discussion about the Australian. Uh, oh, the slang. Uh, yeah. The the the, the uh, accents. The the accents of the well, Australian. Jesus Christ! I couldn't understand uh, Dylan um, all the way over there in Tassie. <laughs> <laughs> See, I got it perfectly. Oh yeah, you do too. Yeah, you would. Yeah. Oh, there you go, guys. If you didn't know, Summer Summer Required is our. Mo- this is already turning into a shit fest. But Summer Summer Required <laughs> is our monthly roundtable podcast where members across the Australian podcasting community get together with a random topic and discuss it amongst the assembly. If you like what you hear, make sure that you follow Summer Summer Required at dashgamer.com, iTunes, Spotify, and other post- podcasting services for those cheeky five star ratings. Um, you can follow myself uh, to know when each episode drops, which is at dashgamers. Uh, I'm going to be trying to work on the new year to get that Summer Assembly Required Twitter account. I've been burnt a few times by each podcast host that's come on here and saying, hurry up, Dash, and start up that account. Listen, Ash, calm yourself. I'll get it going, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, hobbly. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, obviously, we've got two brand new hosts that are with us. Welcome, Kat and Zach. Thank you so much for joining in the Assembly. Uh yeah, it's it's been awesome to kind of just discuss with you guys and uh, get to know uh, both of you. Uh, well, we've known you uh, quite well over the last year, but getting to know you a little better within uh, the Summer Assembly group, and we really appreciate both of you coming on and joining us part of the Assembly now. Aww, thanks, thanks for having me. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> okay, so uh, we're going to jump straight in. Uh, Kat, uh, your topic tonight, so tell us about it. Uh, okay, so... When I was at PAX, I went to an incredible panel that they did for the second time in a row, and it was worst dating sims ever. Oh, yeah. And they played through the KFC dating sim. Honestly, I don't think it's that bad of a dating sim. Yeah, I want to play the crap out of it. (laughs) I want to win the colonel's heart and Mm. learn the secret spice recipe. Oh, God, that sounds disgusting, but yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Yeah, I know, but it, it just, yeah. yeah. Please go on. Finger looks so, good. Oh, um, <laughs> my idea was that everyone on tonight's show yep. would pitch their idea for a dating sim. Oh, no. This is already yeah. started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can go first if it makes yeah. you feel any better. <clears throat> please do. <clears throat> so... Flashback to 2005. You're 15 years old. You wear skinny black jeans. Your hair in a massive fringe. Maybe some raccoon tails. Lots of eyeliner. Why are you personally attacking me like this? (laughs) (laughs) This is a safe space. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, your favourite band is My Chemical Romance. (laughs) <laughs> so my idea was uh basically you're Cut the these... game. <laughs> it's me. It's just my dream. <laughs> so you're a high school kid and you all you want to do is date Gerard Way. 
and you're an emo oh, no. and basically <coughs> you buy tickets to his show and you buy a meet and greet yeah. and that's how you meet Gerard Way. You know what? I've, but there's obviously like all other things that happen. You I've know thought what about I'm this. Physically feeling right now. Honestly, I can feel it. I can feel Dylan Blight's brain just churning and trying to like <laughs> tell me I've already got something going. <laughs> the the cogs are fucking turning already, and I can tell straight away. Like, even my, not my even only question, yeah. my only question for this one is: Is this dating game just simply dating Jared Way the game, or is there other people? <laughs> like, no, 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 no. So, like, you start out at. You're at school, and then My Chemical Romance tickets go on sale, and you're obsessed (laughs) with Gerard Way, and then other people also are going to the concert, so, like, the popular girls and the cheerleaders Mm. and the drama club girls and the horse girls, and you there's a scene at Hot Topic. (laughs) It's emo high high school. What are you talking about? Horses and shit. Horse girls. What? Well, yeah, I was oh. going to say, what high school... What high, I've never been to yeah. a high school. Saddle club? Yeah, like, <laughs> saddle club. Yeah, All right. Oh, oh I thought you meant, like, actual horse girls. I'm like, this is gnarly. No, <laughs> like, saddle club girls. Oh, okay, yeah. that makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the hot topic. And all your decisions, you you might not get to date Gerard Way and the popular girl does. Mm. This Always is real down. life. Yeah, I, I feel like my um my my uh, high school years replacement for this that would make more sense would be uh, Leto, and it would be Thirty Seconds of Mars instead of My Chemical <laughs> Romance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Could no. also be him. <laughs> How good? I'm going to Chad Kroger. Uh, oh, I'm <laughs> a Nickelback dating simulator. Oh, yes. The, uh, this is how you remind me. <coughs> Oh, oh. I I figured you out the Nickelback dating sim. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm I'm I'll be honest. I'm kind of uh, like the daddy daddy. Uh, what was it called? The fucking dream daddy, daddy dating sim. Yeah, uh, dream, yeah. Dream, yeah. dream daddy uh, dating sim uh, was obviously one of the most revolutionary dating sim games out. Well, it didn't really revolutionize anything, but it was one of the most popular ones out that year, and obviously presented itself in some sort of unique format that really helped elevate the dating sim game. Um, yeah, it's hot dad on dad action. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we also had... Um, what was the other one that was the dating sim that a lot of people were talking about? Oh, uh, the, uh, had a full boyfriend? Yeah. No, that one. Yeah, the Doki Doki Literature Club was another one as well, which was huge. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm honestly like intrigued by your, your topic cat but it it's one of those things where like honestly i'd have to it sounded almost like um i don't even know like for me personally i betson i know already what you're thinking you're thinking of a professional wrestling dating sim i can already tell oh, i wasn't but that's actually one. way better oh my God. that's way better than my original plan what have you done? just tell us then what was it oh my original plan was i wanted to be like the most like it, it <clears throat> In dating sims, for some yeah. reason, a lot of the characters tend to be confident and they yeah. know what's up. Like, yeah. you know, as the example Kat was using, like if if we as regular people were to walk up to Jared Way, especially, you know, 2005 Jared Way, it'd be like, <laughs> like there's no words there. It's just noises. Yeah. So I, w- I was wanting to make a dating sim uh, that would be just as awkward 
and just anxious and mm. just stumbling like a real 15-year-old trying to date would be. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're trying to do these things that you think sound romantic, but they're just fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> creepy and, even yeah like there, there, there is no good answer so when you're having an in, in-game conversation yeah and like here's your four choices and you're like man all these suck like all, <laughs> as in you every choose, one like, of the these least sucky one yeah and you kind of and you say something and your character goes oh like afterwards like why did i just yeah. say any of that that's what i want constantly because like uh there is uh there is a difficulty around like engaging in oh, maybe for cool confident people i don't know but mm. like in that in that age bracket like it's just constant awkwardness especially around like people that you are you know interested in you um, me i want to so capture that yeah <clears throat> do you get to do really creepy things like remember in high school you could deliver a rose on valentine's day to your crush <laughs> yes like how fucked yes. is that <laughs> yeah that's a bit fucked yeah um but i just want to before we in touch on mine a little bit i kind of want to add to to uh cats to cats mm. i am thinking like you know 2005 jared way is pretty rad and all but i think i would have a higher chance of dating like 2019 jared way he, he seems yeah, kind of I mean, within, like, my, looks, within my grasp yeah i think he's in a lot of people's grasp <laughs> <laughs> well look and he's about to do the um do the all the music for clerks three and i i need my way into oh, the real dating sim dating kevin that's smith that's what i want you want to do a Kevin Smith dating sim? Yeah, man. What the fuck? All right, so how would that go? Oh, I've already said my idea. Everyone else can have one now. I just kind of talk shit. <laughs> I wouldn't even, like, honestly, for me personally, it's just one of those things where dating simulator games are, are like, always on the bottom of the pile, uh, even though that a lot of people are giving me shit these days for, like, in anime-inspired titles. Um because Persona 5 is always going to be the best game of the generation. Uh, but look, it's... It, <laughs> Just throwing that in there. <laughs> but it, it's... Yeah, it, it is one of those things where dating simulators are... They're, they're interesting because I've seen some of the most manly of men play these things and absolutely fall in love with the narrative. Um, I think that's what essentially sells any dating sim. There would have to be some sort of like absolutely grandiose plotline to go with it that really sells it because it's all it's essentially narrative based it's not it's as narrative based as fucking death stranding but it, it's it's yeah i'm not even sure like zach, i'm gonna throw the zach zach what, what 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 are your thoughts anyway man so i thought i'd combine <laughs> the order Delivery, I'm, I'm already in <laughs> i thought I've, i would combine the order you okay. i thought very hard about this uh and I think I actually got, a, got a, pretty, a pretty good title. So I'm a pretty big fan of King Arthur and his lore, and they, which is why I do actually like oh. The Order. So I thought I'd take the concept of the King Arthur myth, because um, obviously in the, in, the, in the legend, the uh, Lady of the Lake gives Excalibur to yep. King Arthur. Yep. So uh, what you do is you choose to play as one of the Knights of the Round Table, oh. uh, and instead of... It's, it's sort of like... The uh, Bachelorette, I guess. Um, But instead of getting getting a rose, uh, by winning uh, the Lady of the Lake's heart, she gives you Excalibur, the sword. (laughs) Damn it, Zach, for coming up with a good idea. That's actually right. I like that idea. And it's steampunk just like The Order because The Order's awesome. Of course. And and I thought, uh, for a title, I thought it it could, could be called Lady of the Night. Ghost Warrior. 
Ghost Hunter on tracks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, that was I actually... didn't even come up with a name for mine. <laughs> Zach's, Zach's been sitting on this mm. for a full week since I he dropped the topic. Yeah, he's right, he wrote it down. He, he's already planned it. He's seeking a publisher now and a developer. Mm. Sony Interactive is knocking on the door. You know. No, I'm going to go with CO Games, mate, with my boys. <laughs> <laughs> Troy Baker ready to dub the Japanese version of it. Oh, my God, I just came up with a title for mine. What's mm-hmm. that? It'll be Three Cheers for Sweet Romance. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> oh, my God. Holy Nailed shit. it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> So Give me- my mine's um mine's just a rip off of a game that was at PAX this year. Oh, okay. I th- I thought of a way to improve it. So there was a dating game at PAX called uh, Best Friend Forever, where yep. you <gasps> yeah uh, you dated people that and everyone had different kinds of puppies, and the whole game's going to be about you have a cute little doggo, and then you date people with cute little doggos, and that's all exciting, and I'm really keen for that game. Yeah. But when trying to tackle this topic, the first thought I had was I looked around my room. I saw an Eevee plush in the corner and I went, you know what would make Best Friend Forever better? Is you just take the doggos out and you make them Pokemon. And that's the game. (laughs) So you're going around the world Pokemon instead of battling people. You're you're bumping into trainers and they got Pokemon and... uh, Oh, you've been trainers. I was like, oh, which Pokemon would I do? No, 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 no. Not take (laughs) that because <laughs> no, the, the the game at the best friend best friend forever the the packs game as well like you're not a dog dating dogs you are oh. a dog trainer and then it's like you go to the dog park in the game yeah. and then you'll I bump feel into they really other, miss an opportunity here no no yeah because you go to <laughs> you go to the dog park and you bump into other people there and you're like hey my name's so and so like this is my dog and they're like this is my dog and you're like that's cool and then you all have conversations so you you're dating you, then you the bang people. one out in the bushes. Is there, Maybe. can you, if there's a, a girl that you like and her dog like takes a crap, can you offer to like pick up, you know, save her from picking up a crap? I don't know. Like, why, why that's, don't you that's go, chivalry. That's romance. You can go on Twitter at uh, StarCult. Oh, yeah. Sorry, and, this is um, the game. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and feel so, free to I tell them. I thought we were talking about yours, but then I realized yours was actually Pokemon. So. Yeah, mine's a Pokemon one. <laughs> well, if the Pokemon did crap. Um, I'm going to say yes. That is a feature that would be my version of the game nice. for sure. Yeah, well, no, but I'm like a dating sim. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want it to be like mainline characters either. Too like I wouldn't want Misty to show up or some shit because I'm like, no, nah, get out of here. I just want to. I want to create like t- ten to twelve original characters for the game, and they've all got like different <laughs> t- sorts of Pokemon. Yeah. And then you can put some mini games in it as well so like on a the side. Dating simulator with original characters that allow you to date some of them, basically. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's actually. You've got to catch them all. Yeah, and then if you if you mm. knock boots, your Pokemon <laughs> knock boots, and then you get an egg. Yep. And then you can carry the egg around and hatch it, and then you get a Togepi. You I have follow. a feeling that would. Isn't sell that a game, game already? Busters. Isn't that Pokemon Go? Um, well, I've done zero banging in Pokemon Go so far, so... <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you better follow that trademark, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I know there are many, many people that will probably buy that game. I'd, I'd probably buy it. play it. But yeah. I play all dating sims, so... Well, as long as we're not making it awkward and we have to bang the Pokemon in the game, that's fine. I'll no, no, no. Look, I, I don't need the fucking animal... 
active Pokemon security people coming after me. Yeah, yeah look, like I, Mr. I think Mr. Mime would probably be the worst dude today. That was a weird looking dude. He's real creepy. But that, <laughs> really that Machoke, Machoke, oh, he holds me good. Oh my God. People could be into Machoke. Machoke could be like the bear, the bears of the, the gay Pokemon world. Oh, big, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know about mine. I, I don't. I, I I wouldn't even have a, a bloody clue of what I would want as a dating sim. Because I, as I said, like it's one of those things with me is like they're kind of they they're cool, but it's a cool concept. But in a way, I'm just like it's a story. It's a great narrative, uh, great visual novel um, piece. Um, and I'm big into visual novels, but shit, dating sims are just something that I've never really played before. Let me, let me I'll pitch, I'll pitch you the one that you want. Okay. There are different characters that like yeah. different persona games and different animes. <laughs> and then you talk to those characters in games and then you get to pick the, uh, guy or girl that you like the most based on their anime preferences. But hold on. Isn't that like every single freaking dating simulator out there right now? Most of them are pretty much like anime based. It's like, have you read that manga? It's like... Yeah, but this is full committed to it. <laughs> okay, fair enough. This is full committed to it. Oh no, fair enough. This well, isn't. I just dabble. Yeah, yeah. No. It's... Um. Uh, no, I'm. Uh. Bought. <laughs> kind of lost on, on the whole dating wow. simulator genre. It's one of those things that once again that's kind of not taboo to me, but just not. I wouldn't say I'm not interested. I'm definitely interested. I've always been keen to play daddy dating sim, like the daddy dating sim. I've just never really had. Like a, a full-on invested interest in it. Well, uh, if you ever want to give one a go, uh, download Tinder onto your phone. <laughs> oh, man. You mean the top dating simulator, Tinder? <laughs> There's also Grinder for anybody out there who knows that. So yeah, um, but yeah, no, that, that, that was uh, that. That's it's definitely interesting. <laughs> um, I don't know where to go with this, Zach. Um, <laughs> Next well, topic, go, probably. Yeah, probably next topic. I think, I think we're going to move on. <laughs> Zach, t- tell us about your topic, bro. So, as you guys know, I love my uh, European janky AA games. Hmm. Uh, and in the past couple of years, two, three, four years, uh, a lot of these developers and publishers have been doing like new IPs and new ideas and stuff, whereas you see like a lot of AAA publishers to sort of iterating you know like a new need for speed or you know that sort of stuff um so i guess what i wanted to talk about and i guess it's definitely come uh, a bit more to i guess everyone's attention this year that but um our double a developer uh and published games mm-hmm. are they sort of the flag bearer for single player experiences and should we be um congratulating them more uh, for taking uh the risks that they do because uh yeah well like i said you know you got the uh, the new need for speed xbox is what banging out gears 5 forts are 400 and yep. you know there doesn't appear to be you know sony's probably the the only outlier there but sony can do sort of whatever they want because they're just everyone will buy it and it'll, it'll be good regardless yep. but you know yep. even like capcom um you know they're still putting out monster <clears throat> Hunter and you know this year they uh, Devil May Cry Five and they remade Resident Evil Two so you know there's no a new... banger of a year but yeah yeah no but that's not sort of what uh, I it's more the whole risk sort of thing you know RE Two remake was going to be good regardless yeah. you know Monster Hunter's already loved 
mm-hmm. everywhere. Devil May Cry is loved, so, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess the games I'm sort of more referring to, and I wish sort of Buddy was here, because he's probably the only one, I think, that might have played at least Don't one put of these me on games. on the spot like this, all right? Because I didn't put him <laughs> in here, put myself in here, so... Um, was A Plague Tale Innocence, which we're talking about. Wait, uh, he hasn't even played it. Didn't he? he didn't, didn't he vote for it for his game of the year? He has played it. He's got the platinum or close to, I think. What? Really? I don't even remember him playing <laughs> yeah. it. All right. Anyway, sorry. Go on. But yeah. Right. So, you know, that game was very, very well received critically. Um, Dylan, I think, did you say you played it? I can't remember. I, I said I was up its ass until release and then yeah, okay. I, I didn't get a code and I had no money. Uh, All right. So I didn't calm down. <laughs> um, thanks, Five Star. Yeah. Me, <laughs> so that... that <laughs> That game was, um, yeah, that game was very well received, and it's actually got yep. uh, a Game Award nomination for yeah. narrative of the year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just like even looking at, at the publisher for a Plague Tale, uh, Focus Home Interactive, big shout out, love them. Uh, you got like games like Vampire or Vampire, however you want to say it, The yep. Council, The Surge. You know, they're all uh, Greedfall. Quite recently, you know, they're all new new IPs. They're not sort of, you know, got something that they like and then just mm-hmm. keep making the same thing and then even you look at uh, developers like don't nod uh yeah. you know with life is strange uh twin mirror which is coming out you know they did uh vampire and they're doing this uh, new one called tell me why which is they're doing it with xbox yeah uh which is featuring you know a transgender uh, main character which is super cool mm-hmm. and then yeah like the list goes on and on and on and yeah i guess i just want to know what your thoughts are you know games like biomutant or kingdom come deliverance and even like darksiders you know but you know they've done a few yeah. of those but so so we're talking about like um uh brand new uh titles that are entering the uh, gaming sphere right now that are kind of establishing themselves as uh their own triple a double a franchise it's it's more do we do we uh congratulate because a lot a lot of people you know whenever sony puts out a new game everyone's all over it you know yeah but yeah. um you know when you've got these these publishers and developers doing these new ideas and, and new games mm-hmm. they don't sort of get the the recognition that I think that they probably should, personally. Like, I think Focus Home has been killing it, like, yeah. the last couple of years. Um, but, yeah, I... I yeah. I kind of understand. You know, I'm probably going to throw it to Betson first, uh, and then I'll probably throw it to Dylan a second, because these two are, are uh, the PlayStation uh, expert, experts uh, in the chat right now. Um, so, Betson, give me your thoughts uh, on this one as well, because I reckon... Um, you probably have something to say. But I'm not, I, I'm not really comparing them to Sony. Sony's sort of the one that you don't really... No, Count, of course yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. Because obviously they come out with like some of the best titles as well, like some of the best exclusives of right now. You get on PlayStation Four, like you know, we're looking at some of the, in the future right now. We're looking at some something like The Last of Us. In the past, we've seen like mm. God of War and everything else that have become a critical acclaimed uh, titles, like Game of the Year and everything. So uh, I can understand that in that comparison. Obviously, you know, with 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 titles that you're kind of trying to uh, uh, list there um, as well. Do we look at those titles as flag bearers for uh, like single player games and all that, um, I'd say that yeah, there's definitely uh, high inspiration for what we see in some of those titles in terms of ju- not even just gameplay but narrative uh, design. There's a lot of things that they that they do these a lot of these third party studios do that when they when they're not relying heavily on um, you know influence from first party uh, titles. When you know, I'd say that even you, you mentioned. Um, a Plague Tale, I say there's definitely some hev- heavy inspiration from some um, action-adventure titles um, you know, that have been placed in this title as well. You know, some of the stealth mechanics and all that kind of stuff. 
whether or not uh, they could be flag bearers, though, it does drop another question of like um, there's there's an internal risk factor of uh, trying to uh, just basically put everything, all their assets, into one thing and then try and push that title uh, to the moon as well. And it's just a there's a major risk factor in doing that. Um, I can understand that every game that you put out is a risk. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I can understand. Betson, um, give, me, give me your thoughts on this one. Uh, I do think <clears throat> Zach has a point. Uh, yeah. I do think there is there is a lot of strength within those AA titles. Uh, I've not played many myself. It just it came down to uh, in the content that I make, in the, in the sphere that I make, and with the the time that I have available, I do tend to find myself playing more of those AAA uh, games, just sort of where if, I, if I'm going to invest my time somewhere, they seem to be the safest place to do so. Yeah. Um, saying that though, like a Plague Tale, it's something that has truly interests me. Um, however, I do have a pretty gnarly fear of mice and rats. Um, <laughs> so I remember ta- I remember talking to uh, Zach about it back in the day. Mm. I'm like, hey, should I check this out? He's like, yeah, it's dope. He's like, there's like 5,000 rats on the screen at once. I'm like, fuck <laughs> that. <laughs> so I've downloaded I've downloaded the demo. It's there. I'm ready to give it a burl one day and finally take that risk. But yeah. um, in a, you know, in a safe in a safe place. I Please record it, it when you do. I want to see your reaction. Yeah, it's gonna be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I think they're like by having the. With a double A title, there are that lesser expectations. There is that lesser uh, budget and whatnot. So, in, in, in the way that uh, the way I see that is, it allows for these studios to innovate in ways that these other studios probably wouldn't, um, because they don't have that uh, giant publisher on their back or something that's kind of forcing them to go their games in a safe way these guys can test and try cool new ways to deliver what could be a a standard you know a a regular single player story um it's really tough having not played a lot of them but from an from an outside perspective when you do see yeah interesting cool narratives or cool uh uh yeah yeah different systems that are in place like the idea of five thousand mice on a screen is like horrible but intriguing as hell as yeah. you know and i think that's where in those spaces you'll see that like uh i remember watching uh our good friend rock mummy uh playing uh vampire and yeah some of the things within that are really kind of cool and just real just things that you wouldn't see um in those bigger titles yeah yeah i, th- I think like the they're willing to take the risk and i think that's where you see those <laughs> those cool things i think the other point that i was sort of trying to make is that you know um all these AAA games have either got multiplayer shoehorned in or they've got loot boxes, they're a live service game. Correct, yeah. They're all this stuff, whereas these guys are purely just making single-player story games. There's no, um, you know, making money else, uh, you know, in other means through the game. It's purely just you buy it, you play it, and then it sits, you know, it sits on your shelf kind of thing, um, which is very cool. You know, it's, it's, it's good to see. I was actually going to bring up that point that a lot of the AAA titles that have launched over the last few years have been, you know, your open world. They're also a sequel or the third or the fourth or the fifth in the series. It's all the same characters. There's no real character arc. There might be some kind of narrow storyline, but... Yeah, you know, like, even on when you bring some games onto console, you can't even platinum or... I don't know what the Xbox version is. What is it? When you... 
Oh, when you just a hundred percent something. Yeah. Does, yeah. It yeah. Does it matter? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, you can't even platinum some of these titles without playing multiplayer. Mm. And you know, for some players, that's really an, an important aspect of their gameplay: being able to get all the trophies in <sighs> in that title. Trophies. <laughs> Fucking trophies. <laughs> but with a narrative, you know, a single player narrative driven game, you can get all that. Yeah. Um, you do I, get to experience all that. I, I can I, the, the, obviously uh, uh, achievements and goal like the the, the achievements uh, introduce a, a brand new aspect into a title. I think Dylan, this is where I'm going to segue to you because this is perfect. This is perfect segue to you. Um, like uh, uh, achievements and uh, trophies, uh, especially trophy hunters on PlayStation. Uh, definitely get that sense like they definitely get that sense of achievement like yes I, I finished it I can put it away and never have to play it again because I've done whatever I've had to do with it um, I, I can understand where you're coming from Kat definitely definitely does come out Dylan please please tell me my how ignorant I am due to me hating trophies and achievements trophies are great but um, when it when it comes to the triple A space I find interesting at the moment because I, there was a several year period where it was basically dead yeah. and it was, ba- I would say somewhere towards the end of the last generation, AAA basically died off and it's only made a resurgence somewhat in the last couple of years with your focus homes and whoever else. Um, Cause there, there was a stage where it was like either indie game or AAA and there didn't seem to be any in between. Of course, like your THQs died um, and now you've got THQ Nordic make yeah. a, when did they? Was like two. It was about years three ago? years ago now. Yeah, maybe three years ago. Yeah. Um, which I uh, the, and the thing here with it is, I'm afraid they're going to make the exact same mistakes that THQ, like the original one, did with all these things. Because yeah. I think the the problem with these games, and by yeah. these games I mean unknown IP, I guess is the is the thing for your your double O, double O, double A companies. Yeah, double yep. A seven. Uh, they're they're unknown IPs, and when video games cost between sixty nine to a hundred dollars, mm. I think your average person doesn't want to just purchase and spend yep. that that much money on something they don't know what it is. You know, <laughs> they walk into a store, they see another Uncharted, another whatever next to a Plague Tale, next to yeah. Vampire, next to whatever. Uh, Call of Cthulhu, yeah. whatever else recently, um, they're more likely to just buy a sequel because they know it's a known property. And I think that's kind of what burnt out your THQs and whatever in the first place because yeah. as much as it was like, here's Darksiders 2, people were like, yeah, but like Uncharted 3 came out this week, so peace out, I'm buying that instead because yeah. it's higher caliber. Yeah. So, so. so obviously there's that heav- heavy influence of people rather playing a AAA title than, uh, like, like for example, if uh, Uncharted... Uncharted 5, for example, came out from Naughty Dog and, like, you had a Plague Tale 2. Obviously, people would gravitate more towards Uncharted 5, but I believe that's also due to an established franchise that's been around for a number of years um, and has already had that heavily influ- heavy influence. And plus, the notoriety of a studio like Naughty Dog compared to, you know, um, I can't remember. Sobo. Yeah, the Sobo. Yeah, um, who developed uh, a Plague Tale. It's just one of those things where even Naughty Dog themselves have become a brand. It's like Nike. You see that you see that uh, logo and people auto, you know, automatically gravitate towards it. Like if you're a gamer and you see that Naughty Dog logo, uh, people will gravitate towards it. It doesn't even have to be a PlayStation logo. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those things where as a studio, 
Um, if you have uh, an established connection with your player base now, or even just like gamers in, in itself and people see that logo, uh, they'll know exactly what it is. Like a great example of that is uh, when I gave a, uh, a customer at work a, a copy of The Last of Us Remastered, the first thing they noticed was in the corner, the Naughty Dog logo and said, oh, Naughty Dog, you mean the same Naughty Dog that did Crash Bandicoot? And it's like, yes. Yes, that's right. So it's it's almost that that effect of I'll buy it because it's almost a brand in a way. Um, there, there's that there's that aspect to it that that attaches a lot of players uh, to wanting to buy certain AAA titles over other uh, and we're double double A titles, I guess. Uh, when, but so go on, Dylan. When it um when it, like looping it back to the the original question about like what the player carriers of story, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, are they that? I I kind of consider your focus homes and that that group of developers that we're talking about publishers like publishers and I guess um, that we're talking about to be similar to the equivalent of the film worlds like A twenty four and like Blumhouse for yeah. like they're two they're two film studios that uh, although Blumhouse has a bunch of money these days, they still just put out a lot of weird and wacky stuff. And A24, I will pretty much watch anything that A24 puts out because they just put out highly original, uh, weird, wonderful, original movies. And in a world where my movie theatre is constantly pumping out Marvel cine- uh, Marvel sequels and big AAA blockbusters and whatever, which yeah. I'm happy to watch every now and then. I just get bored of them, so I see A24 and I go, "Oh, thank God!" Like something original, a good story. And I feel like that's sort of the same in the video game world a bit, where it's like, "Oh, and if I see, oh, here's a new game from Xbox," I'm without even knowing what it is, without knowing if it's a, a Gear sequel or whatever it is, I'm still expecting it to just feel the same. It's still going to feel like a blockbuster title to appease your everyday gamer. Whereas if I do see like, oh, Focus Home or whoever's putting out this, if I know basically anything Don't Know makes, for example, I will play because I just, I'm intrigued straight away. So I feel like they like are the same sort of things. But like, do do I think the AAA space is that dry of story? I would say no. But like, I definitely feel like the AAA space in video games isn't as dry as like the AAA space for movies at the moment, if that makes sense. Like I, I don't feel like we're quite at the same level because I, I definitely feel like cinema at the moment is just a bunch of smashy, smashy blockbusters, but there are still some AAA stuff that actually offers uh, AAA games like your, your Last of Us 2 coming out and all these sorts of things, and they're obviously highly uh, story-centered uh, yeah. games. So yeah. I, I would say it's it's good to have the yeah. middle ground stuff but I wouldn't say that they're the flag carriers like if, if, if your no. THQ and your focus home or whatever dropped off I wouldn't say that sto- narrative in games is non-existent all of a sudden kind so of yeah. just to just to cut off because you guys have spoken a shitload about Sony and the actual point of the question was not to include Sony because Sony are just doing their own thing <laughs> Sony is Sony and they make single player you know Ghost of Tsushima Death Stranding hey, right. I mentioned know, Sony and Xbox you know, but like, like but there's been a lot of talk about Sony, and it's yeah. I'm not comparing these guys to Sony because Sony no. just do their own thing. It's more like your Far Cry fives, your Watch Dogs threes, yeah, your yeah. Ghost Recon's. You know, but even even mentioning those, even mentioning those brands, you see, uh, like even mentioning those titles, you see brands like Ubisoft that are still pretty much elevated to what I would consider AAA titles. We're looking yeah. at we're looking at a lot but of their, their titles. stories a bit 
Oh, their stories are terrible. I would oh, never look yeah. to. I would so never look to a Ubisoft so game for so a story. So that's that's the point that I'm trying to make. Yeah. Is is a single pl- and you know Assassin's Creed is chock full of microtransactions and other bullshit that you can buy and mm. stuff like that. Whereas, I mean, yeah, like, like Capcom's a good example because they do like a lot of good single player stuff, but it's all old stuff. Yeah. It's I'm talking about new single player as opposed to just story, not just story in general, but new story, new idea kind of thing. That's the what a well, the flag bearer of that you, is sort of what you, I was. Do you count for this question like Nintendo coming in and help publish like indie titles? It's like uh, I don't know if they're double A though, because I was going to bring up yeah. like uh, Goose, uh, Goose Game. Uh, well, I was going to bring up Goose Game, but then I realised that they weren't um, Nintendo. Um, yeah. But like you know, but but like but they're the same. They go back to the same well a lot. Yeah. Even yeah. if they didn't publish it without Nintendo backing that game and having it show up in their uh, directs, that game wouldn't have got the the promotion that needed to be as big as it was. I agree. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Like it was even funny today. I actually got an email from the people at House House, and all I like. It's just one of those things where, in my mind, it automatically uh, associates itself with Nintendo in a way. Like when you get those titles, you they, they, there are certain titles that just immediately places itself in a certain. I wouldn't say console or anything like that, or like a platform or anything. But there are certain titles that you say that's a Nintendo game. Like uh, another one, another great example of this is uh, Zach. You you recently published. Uh, on well played and myself we recently published uh, was um the Layton uh Mr. Oh, yeah. Journey right um by level 5 mm. level 5 while uh they're synonymous with a Nintendo platform they actually also publish many of their games on tablets and iPhones as well at the same time uh, but not many people know that so it's one of those things where uh do we still look at that as well as kind of you know, by brand and association, and how it helps sell certain titles on a platform. Um, I don't think indies. I mean, yeah, not that this is. They're probably not overly no. indie, but no. um, yeah, I didn't really want to include indies because indies are full of all this sort of stuff. You know, right. they just don't. They're just not on the same scale. Basically, yeah. like the, the way I thought about it is, if I ever got pushed hard enough, how do I define what's double A and what's not? Is I guess if it's got a physical release, mm. mostly I'd say it's uh, it's you know if it's not just a digital game like a lot of um, you know indies are purely just digital and then they might have like a limited run uh, print, but yeah you know a lot of like double A's like your focus homes and stuff you know they they all get physical editions and stuff like that so yeah. they're big enough to I guess have that physical press mm. as well as um, a digital. Yeah. My 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 biggest fear for the double A industry going forward though is. What I've seen THQ Nordic do over the last six months, because they come out and they're like, "Hey, we're going to be putting out Biomutant and all this stuff, which is great." Yeah. Biomutant's a game that I've been looking forward to since the first time I saw it. I'm like, "This thing plays some crazy little mutant creature. I'm down. Give it to me. It sounds amazing. New IP, yes, please." But then, like at PAX this year, for example, you're like, "Cool, Biomutant and like Darksiders, like a top-down thing. These are all cool yeah. games." But then, what is the other stuff they're doing? We're remaking Destroy All Humans. And we're remaking SpongeBob and all this stuff. I'm like, are you just gonna like burn yourselves out again? Tie by- splitters, mate. Give me tie splitters. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But is that is that really what the, is that really a good idea? How especially deep. when. How uh, deep. Uh, so, Zach, I'll, I'll shoot back. I'll kind of rebound to you as a question as well, because uh, sure. I know that part of the uh, topic is also the ones that take the most risk in developing new IPs or creating new IPs within their studio. Um, I gotta ask, like, 
developing new IPs in terms of like double A titles, uh, like double A studios, I should say, like uh, an Ubisoft or something. Do you think that um, a lot? And we'll use Ubisoft as an example, I guess, because they have well established uh, titles that do make a, an annual appearance mainly like an assassin's creed or something like that or even a far cry would be a perfect example of it um do you think that the success of those titles um they would want to kind of wean away from taking away finance like they look at it obviously financially and in business like um they, they, they look at it and they say okay we can't really uh take our eyes off the ball right now because far cry is doing so hot why would we want to go and establish a brand new thing that's happening? Because because honestly, they they kind of did with uh, the Starlink uh, idea, and that kind of fell to the wayside. That ended up in a fifteen dollar bargain bin uh, somewhere at a JB Hi-Fi. So it's like wasn't it only like a, a, a Switch game? No, it was it was on everything. It was on oh, really? Xbox, PlayStation. Yeah, it was on Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. The only no, no. the only Switch exclusive it had was Star Fox on it. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. So that was a failure, to be honest. Like Starlink was a failure. For them, so they they kind of they fell to the wayside. So why would so in a way a well-established double A studio or sorry a third-party studio is what I would label it. Why would they want to kind of take their eyes off the ball to establish these new IPs when something is working for them so successfully? Like I would argue more the ones that have to go back and grind that have kind of lost their way have to kind of look at some of these games, um, some of these new ideas. I reckon it comes down to a little bit of fatigue like yeah. uh, like gamer fatigue like assassin's creed like how much did that benefit from that from that break and then that sort of revamp uh when it yeah. changed to the sort of the rpg game yeah. um and i mean we've seen like splinter cell you know now that that's been gone for ages everyone <laughs> now everyone now wants one you know i, I yeah. want one because yeah. blacklist is like awesome yeah. um but yeah like far cry I, like my interest in far cry has sort of died in the ass quite a bit because mm. It's just the same stuff over and over again, and yeah. um, so you know, maybe just not releasing a Far Cry for two years yeah. and focusing on something else, or you know, the crew, the, the crew three. Does anybody want the crew three? Did anybody want the crew two? I don't know. Nobody but asked like, for yeah. it, but yeah, um, you know, just We've doing something like, because because you know these are huge companies. You know that they can even even if it's just a smaller uh, experience, you know they can still do. Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, blah blah blah, Watch Dogs, mm-hmm. and then make something else on the side. But like, just so we can end this and move on because we're going for ages. But yeah. apart from Sony, how many other AAA developers are doing new IPs? Like in the last twelve months, how many can you think of? Like off the top of your head, you mean how many Sony- studios currently that are doing any new IPs right now? AAA devs, like publishers, you know, like you, like Kojima Productions, people. Death Stranding. <laughs> yeah, so not Sony, but it's also they, not no. really like it's. It, it is new IP, but there's such name behind uh, Kojima that that's yeah. actually not a financial risk. Uh, Nintendo did a new IP. What is it? What was uh, it? Town. <laughs> <laughs> it, it bombed. It, but it exists. It exists. It's a it game. Does, yeah. The only one I was going to say is that that came to my mind was the Tokyo Ghostwire or Ghostwire Tokyo from Bethesda, I think it might have been. Yeah, yeah. yeah. E3. That's if yeah. that ever comes yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. If it ever comes was, out. <laughs> yeah, and that's like yeah. the only one I can think of from a big publisher that is that, something new that's the, not a sequel the, of sorts. 
the issue with that in terms of if you want to look at it like a, in terms of a fiscal setup right obviously there is that financial risk as a publisher when it comes to d- d- giving out new ip makes no sense Every, everyone likes to know what's safe and comfortable that's the same reason there's going to be as, as dylan said before avengers movies until the day we die uh you know star wars movies until the day we die P- people are more fi- like financially strict than they ever have been before so for that reason people are less likely to make those drastic jumps over to new things and but that but that's why the double a space needs to exist it opens up a whole new area and a new way people to look um and said and the the point that i was trying to get at before is in terms of the financial risk as well is um these guys are working on staggeringly less budgets therefore they don't have to turn around as much to to make a profit or to go well but the the, 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 big thing about, the big thing about creative endeavors creative endeavors work best when there is restriction when there are things in place that make them go okay we need to rethink how we're going to do this yeah, and yeah. i don't think we get that in triple a's a lot of it's like well we can't have the money just to make it happen so let's just make it happen yeah and there's no you know and then it's like well let's just make it happen and we know people love uh far cry so as, as you said you know make a far cry every two years they have yeah. um you know so that that's what it is it is a biannual franchise yeah um so like yeah so that's sort of where it sits like for me if that made any sense at all cool um that was a great discussion uh guys on that one uh, that was it was right great great topic uh zach um now uh betson uh, you got an intriguing one that uh that that completely takes us out of the ball game here like a completely different spin on what we've basically talked about on uh, the show in the past so tell, tell us what it is yeah so we're all having this discussion about video games right now but we're going to take it into a little bit of a, a bit of a weird different space so one of the one of my guilty pleasures and it's pretty common for many many people is when i'm done watching whatever serious or semi-serious shit or probably just wrestling videos on youtube <coughs> i'm like okay well how am i going to end my night and i normally end my night by watching very specific channels one, some of them are called chills some are called one of them is called nukes top five there's one called sir spooks and there's one called slapped ham sounds like a sex thing but it isn't <laughs> these are channels that essentially just accumulate a varying ghost supernatural unexplained videos from around the internet and be like here are five here are five videos that won't make you sleep at night and i'm like Haha, i can do this and then i end up <laughs> watching it and then i'm like well how many lights can i turn off between turn on between here and my bedroom how quickly can i turn them off as i before run before the back? monsters touch you. yeah before the monsters come and get me so <laughs> yeah my god every night i play that, that game i know it's a good game um it's only really horrible but <laughs> this top my topic is essentially that do we have our own ghostly supernatural stories um because like for context i myself because i have a you know with my science background i am very logically minded so a lot of the time i'm like nah ghosts are stupid that's not possible but (laughs) (laughs) like but that video was really good. <laughs> yeah. You know, so I just want to see what you guys, whether you, A, you believe in that supernaturally sort of stuff. I'm not going to say you believe in werewolves because obviously not. But I mean, like in terms of that ghosty sort of crap. And have you had seen, experienced, or do you have anyone with any cool stories? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is like my, one of my favorite topics of all time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a huge believer, like to the point where I won't even touch Ouija boards because I don't mess with that stuff. Like I don't mess with 
the other side, the veil, whatever's on, whatever, another dimension, whatever. The supernatural. I don't touch it. So right. um, my mum is a person who believes they can see ghosts. I don't know if that's real or a thing, but apparently my youngest sister also can. So it's pretty freaky. Um, But my first brush with um, the supernatural was when I was like one, just before my sister was born. My parents moved into a home just near my my grandmother's, my great-grandmother's house. And the people who owned the house uh, when my mum was growing up were actually family friends of theirs. And one day all the kids were playing in the backyard. They were playing cowboys and Indians. And one of the girls actually hung herself on the clothesline and unfortunately did not survive. Um, Her mother did run out, I think, and, and found her. But fast forward to like when we lived in the house, my parents would leave during the day and then they'd come home at night and every single light in our house would be on. Um, what the fuck? And like my dad, who doesn't really believe in the supernatural, was the one that'd be like, "Yeah, all the lights would be on." It was it'd drive me insane because I'd have to go around and like, who turns all the lights on in a house? Like you turn two lights on, and then um. But when I was, you know, my parents were trying to get me to sleep in in my cot, I'd wake up in the night crying, mm. and they'd have to like they'd take me out of the room into their to to their bedroom. And eventually my grandma, who my great-grandma, who we call Big Mama, because I had Little Mama and Big Mama, um, she was like, Big Mama, because she was the oldest. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was like, oh, that was Catherine's room is that little girl's room. So Mm. I think maybe she was waking me up or Mm. like I was seeing her in the night or something so yeah yeah. and then they moved me out to share a room with my sister and the crying Mm. stopped so yeah we didn't go in that room anymore (laughs) Mm. that's interesting yeah Um, so like i'm i i am a very like i've had a lot happen but that's like the shortest story i have (laughs) it's interesting because um my i'd say my mum's probably the most spiritual person within the family and she believes in all that stuff um whereas i'm kind of more i don't know with with, with ghost stories and stuff uh, i'm not as susceptible to the, the 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 whole supernatural deal however there have been a few instances that have kind of made me question whether i should believe that or not i've had a few cases where um actually just recently my uh, my nephew uh my, my, my sister brought my nephew over to for us to babysit and what we've noticed is that every time we place him into the lounge, uh, where we have a picture of my grandfather who recently passed away a couple of years ago, uh, sitting there, and he would absolutely non-stop stare at this picture. Like, every mm-hmm. time he comes over, he stares at this picture all the time. Mum made note of, like, ages ago, like a few years and years ago, I remember mum saying, oh, like, babies can see spirits and stuff. I'm like, that's, that's just, no, that's just <laughs> bullshit, no. Uh, but... Yeah, uh, my nephew would not stop staring at this picture of my grandfather. Um, and I made note of her. I said, oh, he doesn't stop looking at this picture of of my grandfather. And she, like, it's, it's one of those things where 
some of it might be believable. Like he might, I don't know if my grandfather's spirit's still around and my little nephew can see my grandfather around, then maybe that's why he stares at this picture. Or it's just one of those things where I've never really had any supernatural experiences happen to me personally. I've never had one of those dreams where, um, like when people say, oh, you know, this person just recently passed away and I saw mm. them in my dream last night. I've never had any of that. Um, the most that's ever kind of happened is when my grandfather did pass away. There were a lot of random noises happening in the house. There was a lot of, uh, like things dropping in the house and making noises, or whether there were creaks in the in the wall or something. But there was one case I did remember where we were all in the. Uh, this would have been a couple of days after he passed. We were in the in the um in a lounge, and there was a loud bang that just came from the kitchen, like huge, like. Bang! And it's just on the floor. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Walk in the kitchen. There is nothing, nothing in this in the kitchen that f- would have fallen uh, or even attributed to making that kind of noise. But it was just a loud bang. And we're looking around like, what the hell was that? And then like, as I was noticing during that week, just a lot of noises in the house. A lot of, a lot of, I heard footsteps one night and I was like, what is happening? So, yeah, I reckon that was my grandfather around, just making sure that we were okay and stuff. But, yeah, I've never really had anything that made me want to believe it. But part of me is always going to be like, yeah, I guess my grandfather was kind of still around after he passed away. So that's the, that's honestly the most I've ever kind of experienced in terms of a supernatural world, I guess, yeah. That would be it, yeah. Dylan, have you got anything? Um, i got a couple. I'll go with one where I was around 12-ish or something like that, I think. I was staying down at my nan and pop's house. And, oh, I should clarify. Yes, I believe in ghost stories because I've Big mama's house. Big mama's house. I was staying down there and I was. I woke up in the middle of the night and like the the door was open to the hallway and I'd like opened my eyes and I like looked out there and I saw this dude standing there staring at me and it was <laughs> like a bigger, bold dude who had like what's I don't know what the exact area is like where they wear the like, frilly neck shit and all that sort of okay. stuff like mm-hmm. yeah. like that sort of period and me and him like we, we locked eyes for a second and then he just pelted over and ran ran over to me and he jumped on top of my bed and began choking me and then what? I remember I was trying to Whoa. yell out yeah I remember I was trying to yell out and scream but it was the whole like obviously nothing was coming out yeah, nothing was coming out yeah and then it just so happened that my mum was walking down the corridor at the same time and she uh she just looked over and saw me like basically like like doing lots of up down movements trying to like as if i was trying to gasp for air obviously because yeah. i was being choked you know like yeah, so yeah. <laughs> you know i was going there so she like ran over and she like shook me and shook me i was like what's wrong what's wrong and then eventually i was like it's kind of like a break out of water like do the big uh like because yeah. <sighs> the dude like disappeared or whatever and then she like took me out to the uh, took me out to the lounge room and like, oh, you know, have a glass of milk and all this sort of bullshit. Yeah. Um, but then I also, I, I looked over in the lounge room and then I did, I just started like not being able to speak again. And she, uh, she I remember her being like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And then eventually when I could say what was happening, I was freaking out because um, over in the corner of the room there, I th- was seeing my brother hanging from a noose from the, oh the roof. God. Yeah, and oh, like an legit- actual chill. That's fucked. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is grim. That's cocaine's terrifying. a hell of a drug. Yeah, yeah. So I've had a couple, but that's one of the most weird ones. But I've had yeah. I've had a few weird things like that happen. Uh, wow, haunted. I think haunted. Yeah, I, 
a lot of people will attribute like there are a couple occasions where that that kind of situation i've heard from a few people has happened i've heard uh, a couple of things where like even my mum actually just told me a story about the other night uh, where i found out for the first time that uh uh that were, my mum was pregnant with another baby um and I, I this is the first i heard of it she was like did you know i was pregnant with another baby i'm like no okay this is news to me apparently uh, the baby had passed um while she was pregnant with the baby, and then uh, she was she slept on the couch the other night because uh, it was quite hot over here, and uh, she just wants to sleep on the couch. And uh, she reckons that uh, when she woke up, she saw uh, a ghost of a child around about 18, 19 years old, which would have been apparently the age that he would have been um, uh, when, when the, uh, if my mum had given birth to the baby, uh, come over and just kind of sit next to my mum and kind of like just pat her head in like a everything is going to be okay kind of way mm. um it was just odd uh even to hear that mum mum was screaming uh so i had to get up like this is about 4 a.m and my mum was just screaming like what is going on uh, and i'm like mum you're having a, a a night a night terror wake up uh, go back to bed and uh yeah she was just screaming like something was going wrong and then um yeah it was just weird uh and then when she told me about the what happened she was like i was awake I'm like, what? And she's like, I was awake, but I was scared. I'm like, wow. oh, okay. Yeah, so even things like that. But she reckons that could have been what what, what was the go there. So Yeah, yeah my mum, when she first moved out of home, she moved uh, to Richmond in Sydney. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the homes there are quite old and it's yeah. quite old town. And she called my grandma, you know, sobbing like saying he won't let me leave he mom you need to come over here he won't let me leave yeah. and my grandma's like oh my god you know her her boyfriend maybe he's hurting her like yeah. I, I've, I've got to go over there and she went over there and my mum was actually curled up in a ball in the kitchen yeah. like sobbing oh. like i can't leave he won't let me leave and my grandma's like what are you who are you talking about and my mum's like, the man in the hat, like, he's he's blocking the door. He won't let me leave the house. Wow. And, yeah, so they, I think they had, like, a spirit, the spiritualist church come over and cleanse the house because yeah. this ghost had been, like, tormenting my mum. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting. Mum clean, cleanses the house every day with sage. So, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Well, like I said, my mum's into it. She's heavy into it. Yeah. I even just lit, lit some incense in my room the other day. She lights it because it's spiritual. I light it because it's just relaxing. <laughs> it smells um, good. Yeah, it does smell good. Um, Zach, Zach uh, tell me, tell me, do you have anything? Ah, uh, well, God, um, I don't really have anything like that at all. Uh, okay. No, go, no ghost stories at all. But what I can tell you is, I went. Uh, to Prague a couple of years ago, because you know, <laughs> uh, I'm because I'm cool, um, and we went. Uh, yeah, there was one night we didn't really have much to do, so uh, the two mates that I was with, we were like, "Oh, let's go do this this ghost tour around Prague, right? Like around Old Town Prague." Yeah, cool. Whatever. It sounds sounds pretty good. Anyway, so we got there, we paid for it, um, we're waiting a bit, and then the lady, like the tour guide, came out. She's yeah. like. Like, just so you know, I don't believe in ghosts. Oh, wow. and, and, and we're just like, sweet. Like, this is like this is going to be a pretty good ghost story, isn't it? From someone who doesn't even believe in ghosts. And then, yep. yeah, so, and then she went, she, like, started the tour, and we got to, like, the first little house, and she's like, oh, so apparently uh, there's, like, a ghost of a cat in this 
in this house, mm. but you know, <laughs> yeah, and it okay. was just like so. But and then, like, the next street, so after like about another five or so minutes, mm-hmm. we went into the um, like a 7 Eleven type thing, just bought beers, and just basically drank the rest of the tour yeah. while she was just hating life, hating ghosts. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like the only ghost story that I have. It's not even a it's realistic. Oh, yeah, like, like yeah, well, because like, like the brochure made it sound like it was going to be you know super cool and pretty creepy, and yeah. then that just greeted by goes out and real. So yeah, let's go. I did Port Arthur two years ago. Oh, oh wow. I went down here like, when I was like fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I, went, I went, I went to Woolies the other day. Yeah. Great. <laughs> no, look, uh, that, that's that's interesting. Um, um, Go, please go on, Benson. Yeah, as I say, I myself, I've probably got like, what, two that sort of really stand out. Yeah. Um, well, there's a third. The third one's pretty simple. So um, where I grew up in, in country Victoria, I lived in a town called Terrelgan. Uh, and then my my auntie would live in a town called Toongabby, which is about half hour, 45 minutes away. And it's like dead set fucking country. We're talking like pitch black at night country. Like it's just paddocks between her, between Terrelgan and there. Um, I distinctly remember we're driving back one night, probably like 10 o'clock. And as we were driving, uh, you know, as the headlights are, you know, forward, I see a man and he, he's in, uh, a red flannel, like red flannelette, probably like short brown hair. Couldn't get any facial features. Of course. He walked. I know he did last summer. Dead center of the road, dead center of the road, just walking. And we've like, and then like my sister spotted him. I spotted him. No one else. That was fascinating. Uh-huh. Se- second one is I was at my a house that I lived up in the northern suburbs of Melbourne, up in uh, up in uh, Mill Park. Um, so I, I went. I took the bins out. I had a bin bag and I took it out the you know the kitchen, wandered around, went out the back door, whatever, uh, to go around to where the bins were. Um, when I got around that corner, I turned and there was this light a white light semi figure shaped and it's one of the brightest fucking things I've ever seen in my life it got me to a point where I was like and I just dropped that bin bag and almost like a robot I just like locked up turned around and went back inside and it's like it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever experienced ding 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 excellent no okay that's fine yeah I was like and then just went back inside but the the final one that I want to talk about is, is you know we've talked about some horrificy things about um, you know like being choked as Dylan said or people hanging off clotheslines and just horrible stuff like that because um, as I said like my brain is very is quite logical however I do I part of me has a lot of difficulty with the idea that we all just end one day so a big part of me love kind of it loves this idea of more happening after. Mm. Um, and speaking of, you know, your, your grandfather dash, um, my, my nan passed away probably four years ago at this point. Um, so a little preface that, so one of the things we did before she passed away, uh, is we got her to, uh, read a book. Um, so we got an audio book, uh, for, for whenever we had potential kids at that in the future. Um, so it's her reading the, uh, the night before Christmas, um, and it's all recorded. Um, the idea was, because when you do lose someone, the first thing you always forget is their voice. Whether you intend to or not, it is the first thing to go. Um, so we did that. And I remember actually last year with my son, we were sitting on the couch and we had the book. And similar to what you said about um, 
your your nephew is you know yeah. he just looked at that face and he knew that face somehow he yeah. fucking knew that face yeah and when i opened the book and my nan's voice was heard james's face lit up he he knew that voice somehow and it was absolutely it's heartwarming and harrowing at the same time um but it was one of those experiences but yeah so the, the speaking of, of that grammar there's a preface this story so uh, I'm not she, crying. You're crying. <laughs> um, when she did pass away, it was obviously pretty heart, pretty heartbreaking. I was very close to my nan, and I to this day I still miss her very dearly. Um, so there was a particular dream that I had one night. It was at a, at the house that we lived at in Terrelgan. Um, we were in the kitchen. I was sitting at the table with my father, and my sir. My father was in front of me. My sister was to my left, and my nan was to my right. Um, and it was one of those weird, almost, um, what's it called when you can kind of control the dream? What's that called? Lucid dream. Um, yeah, yeah, it felt very lucid dream. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at my nan and she's looking at me. She's just smiling as she does. And no one else had noticed her at the table. And I'm just looking at her. I'm like, but how are you? And she's like, Mm. don't worry. They can't see me. Oh, wow. I was like, what the fuck? And then I, yeah, I remember her, I remember like her touching my hand and we just chatted and we had a brilliant conversation. Uh, Yeah. And I remember waking up uh, crying, (laughs) Um, but yeah, it was, yeah. And in terms of a good ghostly experiences, that's probably the one that I I probably am most happy with. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, uh, I do have, like, I didn't see her before she, just before she passed. Like I saw her probably, you know, a month or so, two months before. Um, so I was, I do have a lot of regret that I never got to talk to her. So having this awesome ghostly experience, um, was very, very cool. And, um, and, f- <laughs> uh, in, in terms of supernatural things, I, as someone that was medically told they cannot have children for very specific reasons, reasons that cannot be altered. Um, yet I somehow have a son and part of me really hopes that she had a power in that. Which is really right. difficult because my logic brain goes, "That's fucking stupid, Ryan." <laughs> yeah. But no, that's awesome, dude. There's no way to say it's not true. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, that's the best thing about it. And <laughs> no one my, can say and no. Fuck! Did my kid look like her for the longest window of time when he was a baby? Wow. Too. Yeah, and that's your, really your kid cool. definitely. Yeah, your kid uh, definitely looks like you. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially from all those I, yeah, I can't even like argue that he's mine. Like, not even all. Yeah. <laughs> you can't that even be exactly like, "That's what... not my kid." Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whose child is this? It's uncanny, definitely uncanny. Every every yeah. time you post up a kid photo of yourself, I just I always think <laughs> you're posting a photo of your kid. It's incredible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah no, so amazing. I started as a serious topic, got a little bit real at the end there. So. No, that's fine, dude. Amazing topic, just just as amazing. Yeah, man. I'm a really good topic there, uh, Betson. Uh, now, I'll I'll uh, do my one before we jump into Dylan's because I feel like Dylan's going to be a bit uh, polarizing, just as polarizing as the game award uh, the game awards are. And uh, Death Stranding is. Um, (laughs) But my topic is essentially time management because I feel like uh, this is the perfect one for me and uh, especially ordering a pizza 10 minutes before. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Doing a Death Stranding podcast right before, which was kind of unplanned to be honest. But um, yeah, my my one's time management. Obviously, uh, with everything that's gone down with uh, Dashgamer.com in the last year, um, I've been kind of uh, do, taking a lot of things uh, under my wing here and uh, trying to work out how to uh, essentially manage 
my time and the way I kind of um, uh, put out content. And I'll be honest, lately it's kind of been difficult uh, trying to put out content while actually managing like 10 freaking different podcasts and helping everybody with, with content and also just trying to find time for myself to sit down and relax and even play these games that we all like that us as outlets uh, review. Um, it's just one of those things where I, I kind of sit back and I go, man, how do a lot of these people do this? Like, how do people go to work, have a full-time job, come home, um, and even classify their hobby that they do uh, as like a side job and take that on when they get home? I know that there's dedication. There's obvious dedication behind it because if you weren't dedicated in what you are doing here online or what you're doing, uh, in terms of just uh, the video games industry, it, it's one of those things where we kind of all sit back and go, "Man, uh, I really love what I do, but fuck, I have no time. What does what is time? Does it even exist?" Yeah. Um, fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah exactly. A, that's the, one of the most relatable sentences I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Zach, I'll start with you because you, when we spoke about it, uh, when I first brought you into the Summer Assembly group, um, that, that was the, one of the first things you said was, what is time? Um, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, me and you uh, kind of, like, we had the exact same thought at the exact same time, which was, what is time? So I'll start with you. What, how, do you how do you go about your time management in, in terms of, like, having a job and then coming home and organizing well played with a whole bunch of staff uh, trying to help you out in terms of... I'd say, like, you have... Look, out of everybody here, you probably have the the most uh, staff under your wing as well. Um, so, how, how do you how do you go about doing that and also managing your staff as well at the same time? Um, gee, it's a good question, tough question. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> it probably depends a lot on on work, like on actual real work that pays money and the bills. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it feels like there's uh, times where it's as with all jobs, there's times it's real busy yeah. and you feel like time. there's just no time for anything. Like where I work, I used to be able to sort of sneakily sort of maybe post a news piece here, you know, on the sort mm-hmm. of shop floor and that sort of stuff. But, you know, yeah. in, lately there's just been, you know, I can barely even check my phone sometimes. And right. um, yeah, so I feel like that plays a part because then obviously a busier day, you come home, you're a bit tired. Mm. Um, but the thing that, uh, you just got to push through it sometimes, um, yeah. which is probably not a good thing. Probably not, no. not a healthy thing. But um, and I feel like probably you know we all probably feel the same. But we probably give more time to these uh, not projects but these outlets and stuff than we should. Maybe sometimes you know we should mm. maybe look at our own well being uh, a bit more. You know I don't sleep very much at all. I don't probably eat very. Healthy sometimes, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, managing the staff. Um, I mean, as I'm sure, I'm sure we all feel the same way. But I've got good people underneath me um, mm. who I trust to just sort of do their own thing. I don't. Yeah. It's funny because we. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, I'm the boss. Air, you know, air, air quoting that, but yeah, I usually leave the people to their own devices quite a bit. Um, course, yeah. So you know, I've got. I feel comfortable with it. You know, I can be at work. And, you know, someone can just write up a news piece and, you know, publish it away and it'll be up to the standard and stuff, you know. Mm. Okay, there are, there are a, a couple of people that I make them send the stuff to me just to make sure it's all all good. But, yeah, um, from, a, from a managing a team perspective, I try not to be, like, 
overbearing because yeah. really like you know i don't pay them you know you yeah, know they're doing me a favor you know yeah. you know they're doing you know by putting stuff up on the website you know they're you know um so yeah i try i try to be more you know a friend than a than a than a a, a boss, boss, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know, buddy can I, suck it. <laughs> buddy can suck a dick. <laughs> Go on. Um, but yeah, so I feel like you know the team I've got is quite good, and they you know they they make it pretty easy. You know, and they've all got jobs, so you know I can't really. Um, say, oh, I'm too busy to post this and then go yell at somebody else for not posting something when I know that they've been at work as well. So Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, you, you know, and at the end of the day, I think, and this is something that I've struggled with quite a bit, yeah. is that this is not my job. You know, this yeah. is not my job to do this. And if I don't get time to post something or to do something, you know, I used to take it quite, quite not, not personally, but quite, you know, like that I was sh- shit. You know, I yeah. thought I was... I wasn't doing what I'm doing right, but it's a little self doubt. Yeah, yeah, I think. But in the last probably three months, and I was, I was, I've spoken with Cat about this quite a bit. Um, just yeah, you know, just that. I think you just got to yeah realize that you just you're not superhuman and you can't do everything. And yeah, and that's yeah, it comes down to even you know because I don't really get much time to sort of play games like outside of reviewing things like yeah, I, um, which is a bit shit. I look, I look back, I go, you know, you just better play games. And they mm. were fun. Now they're just like stress devices, you know. Mm-hmm. Must have this review by, you know, you know, we got, you know, codes for a game that launches tomorrow. We got the codes for them today. So, you know, okay. that's a... Um, and I think it's it's more about being effective with your time yeah. than... Um, so, you know, I probably... Back in the day, I would grind, you know, I would stay up, you know, 20 hours in the day, play as much as I could... Yep. and then do that two or three days and then try and have a review out um, as soon as possible. Now it's more about using my time effectively. You know, probably yep. by this, by, you know, by the stage I've been awake for 18 hours, I'm not going to be as, you know, as effective as what I... So it's better to just not... Because it's, it's not a job, you know, so don't, don't feel mm. like you have to get this done. No. Um, because at the end of the day, like, you know, if you don't get it done, just... It's not the end of the world, kind of thing. Yeah. If yeah. if that sort of answers your question, it kind of went on a bit of a tangent, but no, no, that's um, fine. That's perfect. Because if anything, it does play in part with you know basically what I've been experiencing lately, which is obviously mental health is kind of going down to the wayside because I kind of put myself under a lot of pressure, uh, making sure that I got as much content as I could on the website. And you made a good uh, point of not putting anything up, and you felt like shit. Uh, for the last week and a half, the website has been able to publish anything, not on my part, but mainly on the part of the uh, server hosts and everything. But it kind of depressed me. It kind of put me in a place where I was like, fuck, I can't, I've got no outlet to put anything right now and it's pissing me off. And it, it really did put me in a place where I was like, fuck, I, I, I'm, 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 I know that I'm, I'm good at what I do, but this is preventing me from showing uh, these outlets that I'm, I'm, you know, that I can really, really push... Uh, uh, to the point, but that also plays into mental health, uh, you know, into making sure that, uh, like in saying that, like mental health is the one big thing that I think that we all put aside when we're, when we're really devoted to what we know. And it's, it's that old saying of too much of a good thing is not good for you at all. Um, and I believe that when we kind of put our own personal well being to the side to, uh, please others in a way it kind of puts ourselves at risk 
and that plays in part of also you know the time time management factor and all that kind of stuff especially for what we do you know especially for what somebody like dylan and um uh brian does as well cat sees both uh, i i believe cat is um gets is in a position right now where she kind of gets to see both ends of the yeah. spectrum as well <laughs> well um, um yeah for me personally working full-time and you know having a small business it's all about making sure that I've scheduled in everything properly and that I am using my planning time productively. So at the start of the week, I will, you know, chuck everything I know I need to do in a, I've got, I use Todoist Mm -hmm. on my, my um, iPhone and my iPad. And I put, (laughs) I put deadlines in things. And so, you know, the things that have a deadline, I know that they're, the more important tasks that I have to get done. You Dylan Blight's got Slack. <laughs> Slack? Oh, that's not one I'd use. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I every Monday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, I spend two hours working on my business, researching. I'll be reading. Yep. I'm, you know, and that's after a two-hour, two-hour, two two-and-a-half-hour drive home. So... Mm. You know, by that time, I'm pretty exhausted. And then on Saturday, I will sit and, you know, I'll um, be on social media, but I'll be doing some reading and researching and listening to podcasts and taking notes and, you know, trying to write a few articles for our site as well and and make sure that that's up to date. And, you know, I did burn out very quickly. I had all of October off because I just was working too fast on things. And I think that I wasn't really implementing those time management strategies that I had started, well, that I had created for myself, but wasn't paying attention to them properly. And, you know, um, my business partner's great, you know, and if I, she holds me accountable as well. So if something needs to be done, it's like, oh, hey, have you had a look at this yet? And so also having other, you know, amazing teammates really, really help with managing um, that stress and and making sure that you're accountable for the the time that you're spending or the time that you're wasting. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. I'm with you. Like, and and that's a great thing as well. Once again, uh, with what happened uh, with myself and Holmesy last week, um, like Kat, you probably know, like being part of the industry, there, there is that call out of uh, like Holmesy's. Uh, Holmesy works with Double Jump. Yeah. Uh, the outlet and the thing was they turned around and said look we can't have you working on the podcast because it might be a conflict of interest there and this and this and that so almost immediately it was one phone call to Holmesy and one phone call to Buddy and like it was like hey this is what's happened okay no problem I'll pick up from here and it was great because Buddy was almost immediately on it and he yeah. was ready to go um, which kind of helped uh, like all of us in a way um, you know it, it just the, you really have when you have the support of great teammates around you it really does help and I know that uh, Explosion Network uh, right now ha- like are just killing it right now because they've got a, definitely a great support support team like a support group around them that help out when they need like I like it's a killer it's a it's a killer network it's a killer outlet right now they're just doing so well because of how good of a team I reckon that the Explosion Network are and you know, Dylan always, always talks to me. And I'm not kissing your ass, Dylan, but I kind of am at the same time. But 
the thing is, Dylan has always told me, you know, use these tools. These will benefit you in the future for Dash Game. Like the other the other month, last month, we were playing COD, like we always do. And um, he goes, hey, you, you know, you might benefit from using Slack. And I was like, I'll check out Slack. I don't know if I'll use Slack. Slack is okay for a good group of people, but it's not good for like somebody like myself and Buddy. We use Facebook and that's pretty much it. But Dylan does definitely have some great time management skills. Um, and that's what I believe. Dylan, please make me stop kissing your ass and time, talk to us. Time management. Right. I was like, what was the subject? Kiss my ass or time, time management? management? Where time have you management. gone? <laughs> yeah. Time management. Um, I would, I would say like kind of back ending off what a lot of people. So uh, just to set it up, I work part time. I would not want to work full time because I definitely feel like if I worked full time, I wouldn't be able to do what I do. Um, okay. And that's, I, I feel like that's important information a lot of times people have because they're like, how do you do all this stuff? I'm like, I do work part-time. I definitely, I, I'm not working 40 hours a week. So, um, but still a lot of being able to do uh, this stuff in general does come down to uh, being able to manage yourself. And I, a lot of, and you've got a million and one tools out there. So like, as Kat said, to do, uh, to do lists and whatever sorts of variations, those apps on your phone, use those. Um, and there's a million one that you can use on your computers. So yeah. I'm pretty much in a rigid schedule at this point where literally every Saturday I will, we have, I don't know, I think we've got 15 different Slack channels and that's just to organize different, uh, that's, but that's organizing like different stuff that could be to do with written work that could be to do with organizing several different podcasts and every podcast show, um, and thing has its own chat. And the reason that, I like Slack and I would never want to just have one mumbo jumbo Facebook chat happening is because thing get things get lost, uh, messages get confused, all these sorts of things. I yeah. uh, Slack is great because I can literally set up and be like in this chat, even if it's the same people on separate shows, I can be like this time, blah, 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 put it in. Here are the show notes because for every single show, I'll write up a Google Dots, uh, Google Doc with the intro, outro. Here's all the, the links, blah, 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 blah. I think that's one thing that helped me with our podcast that I started doing um, a year and a half, whenever we started around Arca Couch. So yeah, about a year ago, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I started making sure that everyone had access to our show notes as well because up until that point, they were I was the only one looking at them. But then I found out it's kind of like when you're reading a book along, it's just, it's like yeah. everyone knows where you are on the same page. They're literally reading the same thing as yourself. Um, so yeah, it's like every Saturday I will plan out my week, um, be that with everyone else. And then I put all of that information into a Google calendar that is shared with everyone. Uh, in the Google calendar, I also, in once a month, I'll go through and put in movie release dates, game release dates, TV release dates, um, any big events that could be happening, Xbox stream, PlayStation streams, what have you. I put all of that in. Um, if anyone ha if anyone at the Explosion Network is taking what we call holiday from Explosion Network, which basically means that, like, if don't even ask me to c come do this thing or do this, whatever. It's like, that's all listed in our Google Calendar. So it's very much like, it sounds super serious, like it's a fucking full-blown workplace, but... I, I so really, Nick, Nicholas Pryor, every time there's a meeting, don't ever, <laughs> don't ask me to come to anything. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, yeah, no, that's, and I mean, that is another thing. Like we, we do do monthly meetings as well. And I was like, yeah. th there's a lot of stuff we do that I, from the outside, if you talk about it, comes across like being really serious for a, uh, a thing where no one gets paid to do anything. But yeah. I guess to like back end off what Zach was saying before, I have like, interesting viewpoints when it comes to like the whole this isn't your job and you're not getting paid and these sorts of things because i i agree to a point but i feel like 
I feel like if I'm not trying hard enough and I'm not treating it seriously enough and trying to do it like it is a job, um, it's a very, it's, it's a nasty balancing act, but I feel like if you're not willing to at least put in and treat it somewhat like a part-time job or something like that, then you're probably never going to get anywhere with it unless you just fall trip and get really lucky. So mm-hmm. it's like a interesting balancing act there. And then, yeah, when it comes down to all the time management stuff, it's like if you're really bad at time management, it's going to struggle hard. Um, yeah. And then I'm, last thing I'll say for it is like myself personally, it's like um, if, if, if I've put in the app on my phone, like oh, I want to write a review for this, this and this. And like Kat was saying, I put deadlines on stuff for myself as well. So I, I give myself deadlines. And yeah. then if uh, that, that becomes priority not number one. If I don't have anything to review at this this time or there's not a game I'm trying to play for review or a movie I'm trying to watch for review or a TV show, what have you, um, yeah. then they're the times where I'm like, okay, I have more spare time to sit here with a TV show in the background and like knock out some news stories today. But also, yeah. like Zach was saying, I will whip out my phone at work when it's not busy and I'll write up stuff on that. Like it is nonstop. There is... Uh, that's kind of the bad thing about it. And it's like, there is literally no break, I guess, you know, it's not like, Oh, I go to work and I'm suddenly away from trying to think about this stuff. It's like, no, I'm at my job and I'm still thinking about it. And then you get home and then you're writing the reviews, you're doing the things, you know, all this sort of stuff. It's, it's a really hard balancing act and it's really hard. That's why I find it so funny. Sometimes I'll get on like arcade couch and I'll be like, yeah, these fucking developers should be doing crunch. Crunch, crunch is terrible. Meanwhile, I've like, you know, got barely any sleep and all this other yeah, stuff yeah. like we all do. It's like, it's really hypocritical a lot of the time, but at the same time, I feel like you just need to find a good balancing act where you're like, if you're going to go hard for a week, cause it's necessary, then make sure that the week after is where you like yeah. kind of chill out a bit. Yeah. 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 I, I believe there's a sense of responsibility though, that does come into play. You know, some of us probably have more responsibility than others, like res- real life responsibilities than mm-hmm. others, I should say. Uh, that do come into play when it actually like making content and outputting it and then like having to go to uh, our full-time job or having to take care of a family yeah. or anything like that you know some of us don't have all that freedom uh, sometimes as well to kind of just be 24 7 uh, creating content that's pretty much where my head is I'm going to be doing that as soon as like either I get home or doing this and like Betson you're a great example of it because obviously a father as well um, you know, every, every time you make a podcast, you, you keep busting in the room like the, the kid off the BBC. Yeah, he's, before, already, so. he's already broken in. Um, I was able <laughs> to go. keep it quiet, thankfully. <laughs> oh, no, no, don't worry. We heard a couple of times. All right, good. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about that a little bit, Betson. Um, yeah, look, it's very, it's very tough. Um, yeah. the, the situation that I had is because uh, the pop, pop culturist and all the stuff we do was born before my son was a thing. So thankfully, I have a very, very, very supportive partner. Um, my wife is amazing and understands that this is the, the shit that I like to do, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the shit that got, that got me my job. Yeah. So, like, obviously, you know, I, I've got my full-time job where, you know, I technically, quote-unquote, I do work in games, you know, but mm-hmm. it's not the same. Like, the clients play the games all the time. I'm adminning. I'm looking at spreadsheets. I'm <laughs> talking. Right. You know, I'm not, like, the game space isn't quite there. Yeah, and then I come home and I've got my wife, I've got my son, and of course my son wants my attention and I want his attention. Um, mm-hmm. But it is that balancing. Because um, if I look at it right now, five days a week I'm doing something. Right. Whether it be recording, one, you know, the, the 
a wrestling show, the PlayStation show, watching twice a week. Twice a week, um, I'm either watching five plus hours of wrestling, um, you know, all that to sort of to meet up, or I'm playing a game for review like you guys, and you understand that. Um, it has, yeah, there are sacrifices that happen. Like I can't can't remember the last time my wife and I went to bed at the same time. Right. Um, that's one thing. I'm I sleep less. Um, mm. <laughs> there are there are sometimes where I'll have to do a little sneaky stuff at work, whether it be you know making a thumbnail before something goes up in ten minutes, you know, mm-hmm. just stuff like that, or you know, um, recording late, having it upload, uh, having it export, and I go to bed, and then I wake up early, and I come in here, and I get it up, and I and I have it going. Um, mm. yeah. So I <laughs> before my son was born, you know, the, I was lucky. It was I had a lot of free time. Um, but then my son was born, I remember having a conversation with my wife and she was like, you need to, you know, we can't do as much. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. Then we had a big upswing in, in the channel and growth. I'm like, okay. And I ended up doing double, (laughs) you know, and it's kind of just been that since. So there were some changes that we had to do. We had to make some sacrifices on the content that we made and, um, changed it. Like, you know, back in the day we did do movies we did tv we did comic books we did anything within that pop culture space so the decision that i made for time management was be realistic with my time it was a situation of i can't watch the movies like i used to yeah so what are the what are the things that i can still do for content that make me happy and that is playstation and that is wrestling um and that's and that's i was like cool let's narrow down the focus let's just do these two things that's what it is and we'll work with that so it did come down to understanding my my limits and understanding Mm -hmm. where where can i best spend my time because when we did do movie shows it the the same little investment wasn't there because similar as zach said it's like when you've done your 20 hour day and you're like are you delivering the same stuff you do you know at at hour 19 that you could have delivered at hour six so it's like, I'm like, well, I'm spreading myself too thin. I am not giving this show my all. I am not yeah. doing it. I've got to pull the plug. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And that's like, I even had a discussion with you earlier today, Betson, uh, about like, I'm having a, we're pretty much, and I had this discussion with Buddy too, like that we're pretty much, I think in like the new year that we're going to be like canceling the wrestling podcast because we, we just won't have the time. I don't think I'm as devoted to it right now as uh, what I was when we first started mm. it. And it's just one of those things where numbers, number wise, I'm I'm a, I'm a big numbers guy, and I'm like number wise, I don't think I've, uh, it's worth having that because it's one of those things where I'm also in in business, like look at it and go, well, I've got now two new podcasts coming in onto the website, whereas like before it was only one. Well, now we've got two new potential podcasts coming into uh, to the website in the new year, and then like uh, I'll need also that time to work with Joel on the anime podcast that we're doing. It's like all these things now come into play, and then afterwards you think to yourself, "Well, I've I've gotten rid of one, and then I'm getting another one." And it's the same um, predicament. Like you, you you face the same predicament that I face, and that the yeah. Dylan faces as well. Is yeah. we as the head of our respective brands, we yeah. are in everything. Yes. So as in yeah. every pod that the pop c does i'm in i'm in the streams like i am the face of this i am the i am the pr rep i am the social yeah. media guy every like yeah. aside from like you know we've got jem and jem hosts with me which is very kind you know which is great josh hosts yeah. but he's currently on sabbatical our dylan yeah. i fucked my know what he's doing right now but yeah you know it's like the the, the amount of caps that i have that we have to wear is one of those yeah, things as well 
Yeah. Well, we put it. We and the same goes with Zach as well. Like Zach does like a lot of uh, stuff on my plate as well. It's just one of those things where we 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 have to we put ourselves in that position because you know we run our respective organizations and outlets and. You know, I'm, I'm lucky and I'm blessed to say that, like, one of the podcasts that I do, like, that I do, that we have on the website available, which is Take My Tone, has, like, doesn't have Buddy, doesn't have myself, it has Simon and hosting that mm. podcast, and he does an amazing job, and I know that Simon is going to produce an amazing show, and we'll have that on a weekly, he'll also do music content for the website, which is great, and then afterwards, you know, like, I have the potential of another podcast coming on board next year as well, which I won't say anything, but it's it's one of those things where I don't have to worry about that pod, because I know that the people that are going to be on that podcast are going to be great as well, uh, but then afterwards, skipping out of one podcast with Dash Culture Wrestling... Uh, like allows Buddy ample time to kind of sit down and uh, work on uh, review of culture, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, yeah, it gives Buddy ample time to work on review culture or whatever he wants to call it when it comes back. Uh, and then uh, like myself and uh, you know uh, Joel to work on the anime uh, podcast as well, and then myself and Buddy work on Dash and Buddy and Dash Culture. It's just one of those things where. You know, you kind of we have to sit back and kind of uh, analyze how much time we can actually put into each project, and and then we got like myself writing uh, as well, and then we've got other people also contributing in terms of writing as well for the website. We've got yourself and Paul who also guest on Dash Culture from time to time. It's just like one of those things where it's madness all over the place, but we kind of organize it in in, in a neat, I organize it in a neat way where I go, okay, here's a sticky note on my desktop. <laughs> But at least I date everything and I make sure that I've got everything set. That's that's honestly the best way that I, I know and that's where it's... I could do... I could even write it on a piece of paper and just place it on my desk and it'll be fine. And I know I'll be okay like that. Um, and But, but at the same yeah. time, I kind of wouldn't do it any other way. Yeah. I yeah. It, Even though we're sitting here and being like, oh, I don't have time for this, time for that. So I'm like, I still fucking, I still fucking love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, my my last it well, not, not to go too off topic, but like no, the no, whole we'll, like, um, last thing, yeah. yeah. The like I know that the topic was time manager, but like to do with like yeah. uh, <laughs> why 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 do you do any of us like stress ourselves enough to do this? And it's obviously because you like doing it. That's you you yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't not sleep as much. You wouldn't put as much time into. You wouldn't do that for anything. Right. You obviously don't like like no. I and. I definitely feel like another thing for myself and the reason that often I push myself to do stuff uh, even after I've just done an eight-hour shift at work is because yeah. I really, really hate my job. So, yeah. and I, I never feel fulfilled feel at all. I get absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> I get absolutely zero fulfillment from my job. And I, I often find when I get home that if, even if I sit down and like write a news story or something and post it, like such a trivial, not really a creative thing, but still just something for the website. If I post yeah. that, I at least feel like I've done something during the day because my job mm. makes me feel like I just, like I don't achieve anything there. No matter what I do, yeah. it's just working at a fucking shop and just fulfilling some corporate company yeah. there, there is it a personal fulfillment that you get doing making your own and creating your own content yes and putting it out there yeah a lot of uh, hatred feel, filled uh, fueled a lot of early pop C <laughs> my old <laughs> job fucking... yeah that that, that power of hatred fueled so much but thank you know I'm in a job now where it's like I kind of like my job <laughs> it's, it's very <laughs> tough good. yeah um, yeah uh, so we'll move on to the final topic of the night which is the game awards Dylan this is your one yeah so 
I just want to get everyone's thoughts on the Game Awards as I'm. So this is a topic I've brought up. I think I bring it up nearly every year at some point or another. But new crowd, right. new opinion. So it's and it's always interesting to me. That's why I like bringing it up because I'm yeah. someone who likes watching. I watch the Academy Awards. I watch the Emmys. Um, I enjoy those shows. They're shows that people shit on and find horribly boring. But I enjoy watching them, and the reason that everyone finds them boring is just because it's a bunch of actors getting up on stage doing um, acceptance speeches, and um, they find it terrible. Now, the Game Awards, yep. which I would say is what the general gaming community says is like the equivalent of the Academy Awards and Emmys, even though it's not even on the same level, but it's still kind of what we view as the be-all, end-all of... Uh, game awards for consumers. I would say like the Dice Awards are probably the most equivalent to like an Academy Awards or something like you know like a, or the Game Critical. I don't know something like there are more serious award shows. But when it comes to like um, viewership and numbers and like for general public, the Game Awards is obviously the, the one. Uh, but the show is obviously more market, marketed towards uh, your gamers sitting at home and with the Mountain Dew ads and the you know all, all, all these sorts of things. And right. as much as I like the world reveal and all that sort of stuff, I often wish the show was actually just a little bit more serious and it was just okay. actually more about giving developers time to get up on stage and do acceptance speeches, uh, speeches have their say about it. And that that's actually what I wish more from the show and I would do away with less reveals and all this sort of stuff. I know that's not what would work for the mass market because that's yeah. not the sort of thing that works for the gamer crowd, but that's definitely what yeah. I wish from the show. So I was just wondering what everyone's else uh, view on the award show is, uh, if they thought, if there's anything they wish they could change. Cat, we'll start with you. Um, look, my office, we all get together, well, the marketing team does, and we'll watch it every year. And I do agree that there are a lot of gimmicky aspects um, that are, you know, a part of the production. And as someone in the industry, I want these to be taken seriously. I mean, the Chic Hydro guy is not serious. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I want them to be as highly regarded as, you know, your Grammys and um, your Academy Awards and whatnot and set the standard for awards and giving awards in, in the games industry. And, you know, some of it's a little bit laughable and... yeah. I I appreciate what they're doing for the industry and um and what they're doing for, you know even smaller developers and and recognizing narrative and recognizing sound and music and so much more than just the you know whether the game sold a lot of you know units across the world yeah. And yeah, I think it could definitely tone down the gimmicks and and bring in some really you know, serious people. Well, I mean, not to say that the developers and whatnot aren't serious, but I think that yeah. there's so much put on making it funny for people to watch. rather the commercializing of yeah, it. Yeah, rather than having a, oh, wow, this is, um, I can't think of the word, like, uh, like yeah, pre- it, it, high like profile. more of a serious presentation. Yeah, high yeah. profile. Yeah. You know, that standard that the Academy Awards have for the film industry, why can't we have, mm. you know, the Games Awards setting that standard f- for the games industry? I, I I feel like this kind of harkens back almost a year ago now to uh, an episode, the end of the year episode of Dash Culture that we did uh, with Dylan, 
Buddy, Paul, and Betson as well, where we discussed the uh, Aussie Game Awards, which were happening around about that time. And it was obviously, like... I kind of had a feeling that this was going to be brought up in a way that the Aussie Game Awards um, kind of... Uh, you had a feeling because put- you brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, it, kind of, it kind of puts itself with it, you know what I mean? It was going to be brought up, but like the, the Aussie Game What's Awards that? kind of... <laughs> the Aussie Game Awards really tried to commercialize yeah. something as well. Well, I think they were uh, trying they, they to align try- with... The game, like the game awards, and you know, trying to channel yeah. a bit of that messaging and even the commercialization, kind of yeah. was to bring in the Australian viewers of the game awards into, yeah. you know, being physically at a game awards ceremony. The presentation though was um, the, the thing is they they really tried to mix it. They tried a hybrid of the game awards and that Oscar award yeah. kind of presentation. Um, I, I felt like I feel like, uh, and we, we never discussed it because we recorded the show actually prior to the presentation. So the thing was when it happened, and we did discuss they, it. They, they, you they, tore, tore it apart on a live stream I was doing. <laughs> yeah, that, I know. I was I came into your live stream. You were playing a game that night. Anyway, so the point is, I was modding is, that live I stream did tear chat. It apart because, but the thing is, I tore it apart for personal reasons, and I'll get that to in a sec- I'll get into that in a second. But the thing is, uh, they tried their hardest at kind of making a hybrid of the Game Awards and those Oscar Awards presentation by making it a little more serious, but also involving a lot of people within that bubble. However, when they involved people within that bubble, it wasn't the people that actually should have been highlighted within that bubble. It's the people that kind of have given appraisal to gaming that full year and a great example and i hate to use this look H- holmes holmes so holmes he leaves Holmesy. your fucking thing and then you're already dogging him out for being up there giving yeah, out exactly. awards <laughs> I, I, dogged it. I fucking dogged him out the fucking day he came home he yeeted like, on stage that? <laughs> yeet yeet <laughs> yeah on, on stage he fucking yeeted on stage anyway so uh, it was one of those things where, yeah, uh, they had people within that Twitch sphere come up and present these awards. And I was like, they're not the appropriate people to be presenting awards unless you got like one or two big, big, big Twitch partners. Homesy? Mm. And I was like, I remember them. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I love Homesy, but even he knows, like, it's like, Homesy. So, like... Because I remember even discussing it. We had an end-of-year episode with Holmesy last year. Well, I had my end-of-year Holmesy episode with... Uh, I had my end-of-year Holmesy as well. You know? so, yeah, exactly. Sorry, yeah. And we were discussing it during then, and it was one of those things where I even said to him, I go, there is a problem with Game Awards presentation right now where we it's just not taken seriously within the market. It, it, like, even the big Game Awards, the Aussie Game Awards, any fucking Game Awards that we get, and you got, like, the BAFTA Awards who uh, used to present... Uh, best like best actor or something whatever it was uh, from a video game which they, they're not doing this year um, which is a, a fucking crime shame that they're not but it's just one of those things where uh, these all these game awards that try to commercialize what they put out there just don't know how to do it because everybody that is involved within corporate look at it like how the fuck do we make money off this how do we get more people watching this how do we sell more tickets yeah Yeah, i I completely agree and you know we have so many incredible studios that are in australia and and sound designers and voice actors Mm -hmm. that they should have been given that opportunity to present awards to their colleagues 
And I think yep. that that would have really amplified the importance of games in Australia rather than using content creators and 100%. TV presenters and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. No, look. It seemed a bit misplaced. The, that's all. It's been, it's been a constant conversation between myself and Dylan Blight about every year, like when I've done the Dash Awards and uh, made it a community thing and had it grown bigger and bigger. Uh, one of the things was I was considering making a, a presentation a couple of years ago, well, uh, last year until like the whole Aussie Game Awards was revealed. Um, and one of those things that I really wanted to make sure that if I ever did that was make sure that there was an acknowledgement made from uh, people within, directly within that industry, not people that are kind of on the outskirts of it. It's almost like, uh, once again, just getting some random journal up on stage and saying, oh, this reward goes to this. But at, at the same time, I would rather uh, a journal who's taken... Like, for example, if they got Dave Milner on stage tomorrow for an award ceremony and said, this is the game of the year. You know what? I consider it uh, to be that that to be legitimate. Why? Because Dave Milner is one of the most yeah. respected journos right now within our industry. Um, he's uh, worked his ass off. He's an inspiration to a lot of people. And uh, for him to present Game of the Year in Australia, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But to get somebody like a fucking but that Twitch fucking Holmesy, <laughs> fucking Holmesy again, Jesus, this guy, <laughs> fucking Holmesy had to leave, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, uh, Zach, give me your thoughts on this. <sighs> right. Take a deep breath. Right. You got Take it. Take all that in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the actual Game Awards. Uh, the yep. American ones. Yeah. Uh, I tune in and out a bit like, because um, I think it's on when, when I'm at work. It's on at like 12, or 12, yeah. 12, 30. 11, 12 or something. Friday, yeah. 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 So I, I don't sort of get to uh, catch it all. Um, I do, yeah. I think I actually enjoy the game premieres more than the awards, as probably bad as that sounds. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think that's I'm general consensus. So you're good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I don't want to feel like, I'm taking away from the people who are, you know, who are being celebrated. No, and that's but, fine, but that's the, that's the point that's been driven across. So but it's like fine. I don't give a shit about esports coach of the year, mate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. I, in fact, I don't give a no. I should say, but um, yeah, like, <laughs> esports in general, I like, should have their own. They do have their thing. own. Yeah, uh, no, they, do, they yeah. just had it. But get it, get get them out of this one that I watch. No, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, like I would just yeah, that like. All that sort of stuff. I'm just like, hurry up and just give me this next game premiere or whatever, or the next Doom concert or whatever's going to go on. You oh, know, let yeah, me, that Doom concert. Oof. That was sick. Let me see. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, the actual show itself. I don't know. I just feel Jeff. Just I don't know. There's there's something about Jeff. I like Jeff, but him and his Kojima little. Oh my god! Don't oh even get me god, started. Fucking year. And it's like yeah. I, I I don't want like I don't believe there's something sinister there like in, no. you know the, with Death Stranding being nominated for e- everything but um, um, the fact that it's only been it does, out for it, a month and it's been nominated for yeah. Game of the Year I think that that's a little well, well that's, uh, that's the that's yeah. to do with the submission date though so that so the release yeah, no, for that game came out before the oh before um, the submission submission finished. okay yeah. Well, I didn't know how that like, had to be, be had, uh, had to be released uh, before November fifteenth was the cutoff yeah. for the awards. Yeah. And Jeff has nothing to do with either the shortlisting or the voting at all. It's yeah. eighty yeah. different outlets uh, from across yeah. the world. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. I understand all that. I don't think but it's it's just, it's just Jeff. perception. Like that's just the thing. Mm. Um, 
But um, in terms of the Australian one, I mean, we you know we were well played. Was nominated for should have won. Was the one should have won. Whatever. What, what, what was it like? Outlet of the year or Press something? Or yeah, was it? it was. There was two. I don't, I should, yeah, I don't remember that. Who won that? Press start. By the way, who won that? <laughs> Press start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, I th- I think they probably deserve to win. To be honest, they do a lot of great things, and there I think it's even though. Um, people may question them winning it. Um, collusion, yeah. The it. fact that they did win it over people like Kotaku and IGN and whoever, uh, yeah. I, I think is a good thing. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and, and Shannon, and I know Shannon quite well, yeah. and yeah. he um, he works very, very hard. So, yeah, um, But in terms of the awards, I don't know how I feel about the, the voting uh, being the overall decider yeah. of... Um, the winner of an award. I feel like maybe you could have fans, game of the year, fans, yeah. outlet of the year, blah blah blah. Like um, have certain and also some, like certain we, categories that should be fan voted, and then well, well te- yeah, technically the game awards are a fan voted thing anyway, so it's it's mm. it really yeah. is a community award. They're yeah. weighted. Oh. It's ninety percent yeah, the voting, and then ten percent from the uh, public. Oh, okay. And this, another thing I would actually quite like to see, and I was going to, when it was uh, sort of the whole Twitter thing was blowing up last year, you know, with people cracking the shits about a number of things to do with the Game Awards, Games Awards or whatever it's called, which is oddly worded. Um, Game Awards, yeah. No, I think the Australian one's called the Australian Games Awards. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Australian Games Awards, yeah. Should just be Game Awards, mate. Anyway, um, what I would like to see is maybe Australian outlets be able to vote on certain stuff. Um, so sort of like how they do it with the actual game awards. So, you know, they okay. come to, so it yeah. sort of makes us feel like we're not you know, more relevant, I guess, if that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I hate to say this, but like it, it was what it's the game, the Aussie game awards last year were heavily inspired by what I did and I was told I was actually clued in. So what it was was they saw that uh, the they they saw the idea of what I was doing online on Twitter because that's essentially what it was. It was one big Twitter uh, campaign uh, to vote for your game of the year and everything. And when it blew up and a lot of outlets were acknowledging it, um, essentially what the, the, what was seen was dollar signs against that. Um, and I was clued in by uh, I won't name anybody, but by a few people that were within the industry that there was talks uh, amongst people that. They were taking my idea and and trying their best to commercialize it and also involve, um, I don't know how to put, but like basically people to kind of help fund it, essentially. Um, the idea of commercializing a community awards to uh, grow a brand um, is what happened there, and because of. <laughs> Because there wasn't any initial support, like almost, we were about a month out, I remember, and there was no news on like the finalist or like finalists of each category or, or anything. I was honored to be part of uh, like that. I was I was nominated for well, social media guard. Voted for you twice. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I, I, but they even came to me and said, "Hey, we want you to come, but you have to pay one hundred and thirty dollars for a ticket." I'm like, no. So. Uh, it's just one of those that was like half price here. I think yeah, or it was like the first release or something like that. Yeah, it was like people paid like three hundred dollars and then the tickets got discounted to sixty bucks. Yeah, so even like I was like, "Mm, that's whatever it is. But like for me personally to kind of see that and then go, oh, okay, so they actually followed through with this and then uh, have presented this in a light that's just 
kind of disgusting, uh, made me really upset and made me think to myself, they took a lot of what I did and then kind of took, tried their best to emulate my idea off Jeff Keighley's idea and bring it to an Oscars setting. Kind of an Oscar setting. It was one big fucking hall and he's all sitting at a fucking dinner table. Um, oh, that was industry. That had that yeah. tables. Okay. And then um, there was like community seating, but it, yeah, yeah I'm a big inclusivity person and yeah. that kind of just. It was awkward, wasn't it? I, I didn't go. I, um, oh, okay. I think my boss and my brand manager went. Because yeah. we were nominated for Monster Hunter that year. I can't... Hey. Yeah. that I think that was mm. Game of the Year or RPG of the Year. I'm not too sure. Which is really cool. But, um, yep. I mean, I would have loved everyone to be together. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, without our fans and without the community, we wouldn't have an industry. Well, I made the joke that it looked like watching the grand final footy show instead of an actual Oscars event because it looked like there were dinner tables set up in front of the stage and then you had uh, fucking primary school seats, plastic primary school seats set in the back for people to sit down on um, where a lot of people were saying, like saying, I'm leaving because it's so uncomfortable to sit down. Yeah. Um, it, it was one of those things where that's that's kind of kind of embarrassing. I think, I, look, Joel will probably take down, uh, Joel Fandau, for, uh, who formerly at MC, will probably take down you know, his criticisms and learn from yeah. it, which is fine. Um, well, but in terms of... Yeah, sorry. I was, I was, somehow, magically, we've ended up on the Australian Game Awards yeah. instead oh, of the, yeah, okay. the American <laughs> one. Yeah, I, I can bring happen? it back to Jesus. the American yeah, one. Yeah, bring it back to the Game Awards. Well, yeah. no, I, was about, I was about to say, since you're on the Australian Awards, I was, I, yeah. I was going to finish up and say that they put out... The Australian Game Awards uh, sent out a email to a bunch of people asking for surveys back in like August, like uh, uh, yeah. feedback for the whole thing. And I filled yeah. that out, um, but because the thing is, like, so I watch all these shows. As I'm saying, I watch em- all these Emmys, Grammy Awards, o- Oscars. Oh. I watch the Game Awards every single year. I love doing yeah. getting on our podcast. We do predictions for Academy Awards. We do predictions for Game Awards. I love doing all this stuff. I love. I just love that part of it. So wh- yeah. when I like last year was criticizing and being critical of the Australian Game Awards, it wasn't because I was like, "eh, fuck this thing, it's stupid." It was because I'm like, I want this to be good. It's coming from yeah, a yeah. Uh, a part of uh, a place of uh, positivity somewhat. And it's like, course, sure, yeah. I, I guess like uh, uh, Joel or anyone else involved could listen to like uh, on uh, Arcade Couch where I was like talking about it and like being like, well, that was a bit harsh and whatever else. And I'd be like, well, I'm not trying to hurt you, but I'm like, you know, I, I want this to, to be a good show. Good. And that's why I yeah. filled out that survey uh, as long as it was. And I put, uh, I never usually fill those things out, but I'm like, I'm going to fill this one out because I actually legit want to give my uh, feedback for this thing. But kind of what, um, was hitting on the. I, I like Zach's idea. What he was saying before. That's like a uh, really good idea. Actually, just have the like. There is enough Australian outlets now, surely, uh, that you could go to like actual serious ones and be like, okay, um, you're going to be our version of the eighty that get together for the American one, and you are going to yep. do uh, all of that, and you are going to be the ones who poll, uh, vote, and decide game year and these sorts of things. And then we'll have some fan voted stuff, and the people that are going to uh, get up there. You can have a presenter that's a content creator, Twitch streamer, what have you. I think that would work quite well because obviously a lot of those people uh, would fit that environment of like presenting and um, being a person only on stage. But that's like bring in um, s- some different game studio devs and whatever else to actually present the awards because bring it back to what i was saying before about the emmys and oscars i love for some reason it makes me happy 
to see industry events where you get to get awards from your peers. Yeah. You know, you get to see a really highly celebrated actor giving the best actor or actress award to someone who's like a newer, like Jennifer Lawrence years ago, for example. Like, it's like, here's this person coming in and whoever's given them award. I'm like, that must feel great for that person. Cause I know, like, yeah. If I was to win something and like some journalist I looked up to, for example, you know, whatever else, it'd be the exact same thing. It's like, here, oh, that feels so great. So that's what I want from the Australian awards. And yeah, my, my major critique, which is what uh, Kat was kind of saying before about the, the awards, is like, you know, have, um, there's all these great Australian devs and voice talent and whatever. It's like, that should have been the awards to me. And yeah. I, my major criticism was it was like 70% content creator awards and stuff and not enough focused on the actual Australian developer scene. And I know why they focused on content creator awards. Cause that means they're going to get more of those people to promote the awards on their streams yeah. and YouTube channels and what have you. Um, and that means more people would potentially watch it and do all these sorts of things. I understand why they did it, but at the same time, that's not an award show that I think we need or want yeah. at this stage. Um, and not certainly not one I'm particularly interested in well it, it attributes to zero representation between like stuff that you do dylan what i do what uh betson and what zach does um you know and then potentially what cat does with player 2 hq it, it, it's one of those things where we sit down and go oh you know presentation is key because this could rep in you know wholly represent uh, the games journal like it represents us too it, it whether or not we're mentioned or even acknowledged there we do play a part in putting out content that says hey this game is great and we've been acknowledged by these outlets as well dylan you've been acknowledged this year by playstation which is incredible um you know zach continuously acknowledged by uh different outlets uh we we just got uh, like the other day we were acknowledged by flavorworks for erica which is incredible you know it's just one of those things where like even though we're, we get a minor taste of that acknowledgement through different outlets, when it hold, when when they do present something and place a label on it as grand as the Australian Games Awards, and then kind of fuck it up, it's like, damn, you just fucked it up for everybody else too. Mm. So I hope they kind of work on that. Betson, I know that you've got, got something that you probably want to finish it up with. Yeah, so, that. you know, congratulations for you guys all getting acknowledgements, rad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, um, look, write something. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very tough. Like, yeah. Um, the, look, the difficulty <laughs> and the, the point that you, the, I, I think Dylan's big point here is legitimacy. That's what this yeah. wants this presentation to be. It wants it to be legitimate because that's what the Oscars are. The Oscars are legitimate. The BAFTAs are legitimate. And the yeah. issue, the issue that we're facing is there's a lot of things within the the American Game Awards that actually make it feel illegitimate, and that comes. Yeah down to things like the guy that runs it being the host therefore people make that connection like as dylan provided all the facts and information about showing how jeff Keeley has zero control over who gets voted and what happens but having yeah. him so front and center and knowing that he works behind the scenes it instantly makes it feel dirty and then yeah. on top of that you've got you know if you talk, you talk about legitimacy she, as you said chic hydro bot you would never never <laughs> see that shit at any other award ceremony now i understand this comes down down to them trying to get money and funding wherever they can and i understand yeah. that it's tough people you know in order to make that legitimate you need to have legitimate backers and those legitimate backers aren't aren't there yet but when you see stuff like that 
it instantly makes it seem less appealing. And within the game space, game of the year kind of means nothing. Every yeah. second game gets a game of the year edition, even if that game sucked a whole bunch of ass. <laughs> It's not because we're a game of the year edition. Can't wait to buy it. Like the point I'm making is like, you can't have a movie come out and be like Oscar nominated if it wasn't or Oscar winning movie. This like that didn't win an award. So how come this, how come within the gaming space it's cool to have game of the year edition for a game that no one gave a fuck about. I think it's got to sell a number of... There are requirements to get a Game of the Year edition, I'm pretty sure. I'm sure there is. But, like, I'm I'm (laughs) overgeneralizing here. Oh, no, I understand that. No, no, yeah. Yeah, because with with one big game award, so really, with only one major ceremony that's kind of respected and, you know... Semi. Or semi-respected, semi-authorized, there should really only be one Game of the Year edition a year, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, correct. And when we're seeing so many of them, and you're like, well... What what award ceremony gave that game of the year? Do you remember that Arkham City game of the year edition cover? Yeah. Yes, I've got it packed in yeah, my it's, that's, somewhere in this room. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I and have I that edition. That battle of, yeah, and it's the battle for legitimacy, and that's pretty yeah. much where it stands. And it's all they need to do is make some changes, like not have someone to come up there and be like, "Fuck the Oscars," because you're not going to have like Leonardo mm. DiCaprio walk up and be like, "Fuck the Emmys, movies are better than telly." Way. No, he gets up there and he goes, "You know what we should be doing, guys? We should be working towards stopping global warming, and you should yeah. stop cutting down trees." And then the game water's like, "Fuck the Oscars, party!" <laughs> <laughs> and like that's part of it because people are chugging like, that GG fuel on stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. It's like, Shoeies. what is this? Yeah. I, got, I don't take it seriously. I'll, like, similar to Zach, I'll watch the whatever premieres yeah. they have and I'll, I'll, we'll predict what they are on a show. But actually, that's this week's show for, for the players because it's easy. Spoilers. Jesus. Yeah. Well, no one watches. It's fine. Um, like, it's super easy. Like, I can just predict. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, so that we'll take that benefit. In terms of who actually wins, I don't really, really care. And mm. and that's the Australian stuff. The Australian stuff is adding that legitimacy. And the difficulty around that is with so much of the gaming space, whether it be content creation, whether it be games that release, games that get seen, they aren't Australian. And, that, and that's super, super hard. So when you do highlight or try to highlight just Australian things, it instantly limits what those awards can be about. The best thing you can do is yeah. international category and a local category. Yeah, and well, there's then, Studio of the Year, Developer of the Year, yeah. Yeah. Um, RPG of the Year, Detroit Becoming Yeah, Human. don't get me started <laughs> Excuse on that. me. The, the difficulty that comes with that is within the Australian space, there's only so many breakouts. So you can almost presume yeah. the winners before they happen. And that's the same within yeah. our content creation space as well. There are thousands of us. Thousands. Yeah. However, only so, only a good handful of them, you know, they're the ones sitting at the top. So when you do have the Australian Game Awards, you see the names that you expect, you see the names, and you can and you can straight up predict who it's going to be because of it. Like you, you know, yeah. I guess because they are the better of the pack, it makes sense. Like the only way that like we would get in is if we were if we there was an award for the best Australian made PlayStation podcast, and Dylan would win. So like, oh, there's, two, there's <laughs> like there's two of us, and <laughs> like that's the difficulty. Jesus. It's just just really really tough and you know yeah so the pro because i remember when dash you and i had a you know a chat about the nominees and what there was and i'm like yeah. i can call it i can it's that person it's that person it's that person and well it's we that discussed person. it on the show yeah and, we, and you know you even said it i quote you 
Oh, look, the winner of uh, Best Outlet, Press Start. Why? Because, number one, they're the... And they're fucking... They like, be? they are good. They are the biggest thing here, and look, nothing matches them. No doubt, right? But they were also the main sponsors of the show. They were the head sponsors of the show, and people were calling collusion. Like, it was one of those big things yeah. where Press Start was pretty much presenting the show. And then up... When they won Best Outlet of the Year, people were like, "Oh, that's because Press Start jerks everybody. Press jerks Press Start's dick, and that's actually quite well." well, as well yeah, that, look, yeah. I was, I was, my, my next sentence was about to be the difficulty with the Australian space. It is kind of a circle jerk in some ways, like it, because of its yeah, size. No it's comment. Kinda, it's kind of clicky. No, and like that's I not a bad thing because those clicks, those clicks exist in everywhere in every industry, and that's not a kinda, bad yeah. thing. Like it is a bad I thing, but it's also this- not a bad thing. I want to jump in because you've actually yeah. just touched on something, which is the reason why I want. Uh, I would love it if they did collaborate with uh, bigger and smaller outlets for things like Game of the Years because yep. the Aussie gaming industry, uh, media industry is definitely very, you know, there's definitely, you know, there's us and then there's big it's, people, yeah. you know. And, it's sparse, you know, yeah. I, 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 get, I get the feeling that, and, and this definitely occurred when, so when we were nominated for Game of the Year, uh, for Game of the Year, for... Um, <laughs> Game of the Year, well played. For... <laughs> Gaming um, outlet, whatever it was called. Yeah. Publication, uh, online publication. People, there are a lot of pe- people posting on Twitter that places that don't pay writers shouldn't be allowed to win. Yeah. Like, that's mm. almost um, all yeah. of them. And it's, yeah, and, and, yeah, and it's just sort of like... Um, well, there's insider knowledge. Look, we're not going to say anything. There is insider knowledge about stuff that happens between some of the bigger outlets that, you know... Obviously, it's just one of those things where a lot of people who don't work within this bubble don't know how it works either. So, no, it was more that that sort of hurt, like a little bit. You know, yeah. I, I, can't, I sort of took that quite personal because you know this person doesn't think because they don't pay people, he yeah. doesn't think he doesn't think that we're you know legitimate. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid Buddy. I paid Buddy in a fucking uh, get the fuck on so we can record this. <laughs> I, I I jump on that because uh, you like you see these tweets, I guess. Um, People say like if you if you make money off your website, make sure you pay your writers and these and these sorts of things. And I, I always see that, and I'm like, I kind of get the sentiment, but at the same time, it's like you don't like it's a very blanket statement to just throw out there when you don't understand the agreements between a lot of people and like what's happening. And I understand like if you're like if you're putting a call out for like a random freelancer then it's like, okay, maybe like you're putting it out for paid opportunities. I can like, I, I definitely aren't like, Hey, come write about game for explosion network. I'll give you sweet fuck all. But like, <laughs> if you were to look at like everyone at explosion network, we do make some money, right. Yeah. For our Kofi and like uh, t- Twitch subscriptions and these sorts of things. And last year we made more money than I thought we were going to make. But the, the thing with all that is because we're all in a, agreement and you know it's like not a proper business thing where it's like everyone's like give me my share of the money or whatever we're just on an agreement it's like the money gets straight away reinvested into yeah. the company so it's like i always yeah. see these statements it's like pay rise i'm like what the f- i pay well, yeah, shit same, like same goes for us <laughs> like exactly. we have our patreon we have our you know other avenues you know like youtube ads whatever and it just pulls into one place and then when something needs to happen it comes from that pool like you know no one yeah. gets money well, it, this is a perfect example of what we're doing right here. I don't pay anybody here. They Wait, don't what? have to do this tonight. Um, it's not one of those things where oh, I... We're not getting paid? <laughs> oh. Don't discuss the salary on... on i got to go. Zach's left the hangout. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things where we do this because we... And once again, it bounces back. We love to do this because it, it helps 
our industry. And then, like, when people call out stuff like that, they have no merit to actually say that kind of bullshit. So, um, but once again, we are an attributing factor and a contributing factor to what happens at the end of the year with every single one of these awards that are on display. And when presentation, when it comes down to presentation and it's lackluster, uh, and I'm sorry, Joel, but that's what, what the Australian Game Awards were last year. Awards were last year. They were lackluster. It hurts the industry as a whole, and it hurts even the smaller guys it affects even more. And that's why when the idea of actually, when I said presenting the Dash Awards on a grander scale, I kind of never wanted to do it because I always thought that keeping it small scale on Twitter and having multiple outlets that are smaller involved with putting it out there and then afterwards like bigger, bigger outlets uh, acknowledging this only puts attention to those smaller outlets as well, saying, who nominated these? Oh, the Explosion Network, the Pop Culturist, 8-Bit, all these different outlets that were involved with throughout the year that I had, uh, that I had done it, pretty much were acknowledged because it gave us a chance to get our voices out as smaller as a smaller network, but as one under the uh, that award banner. So, that, anyway, that's my final say on it. Anybody else got any final say that they want to put in? No, stop it, guys. Right, contracts, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> well, well oh. played. Should have won the game. Was won. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, guys, if you didn't know, this has been some assembly required. It's a monthly roundtable podcast where members across Australian podcasting community get together and with a random topic and discuss it amongst the assembly. Cat, where can the people find you? Um, just look me up on Twitter at catstead, yep. and I think I have an underscore after my name. Or you can follow yep. my. Great little business I have going with Tegan at Player2HQ. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Dylan, where can the lovely people find you? Find me on Twitter at VivaLadil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L, and you can find the Explosion Network at ExplosionPod and then ExplosionNetwork.com. Fantastic. Betson, where can the lovely people find you? Uh, you can find me personally on the Twitters at HaggardMC. If you can find the Pop Culturist uh, at Pop Culturist as well with the YouTubes and all the podcast services, Wrestling PlayStation, mm-hmm. brother. Fantastic. And Zach, where can the lovely people find you? Uh, if you want to see me tweet about Big Chad Kroger, you can find <laughs> <those>, uh... <laughs> Zach Clara, but that's spelled S-A-C-K because I once came very close to actually changing uh, the spelling of my name. Uh, X-A-C-K-C-L-A-R-E-T. Uh, and then you can find well played at well hyphen or dash whichever you prefer uh, play.com.au fantastic um, you can find myself over on Twitter at Dash Gamers and of course over on all the uh, sneaky podcasts that I do um, and of course DashGamer.com where you can find this lovely podcast also find it on your favourite podcasting service iTunes, Spotify and give us those cheeky 5 star ratings that surely helps us out Thank you guys so much. It's been a fun show tonight. Um, and um, yeah, I, I can't wait to do this again real soon with you all. Thank you so Thank much. You. No worries, Jeez. man. No problem. Uh, and until next time, guys, uh, I don't even, we don't have, we still don't have a wrap up into this one. This is some assembly required out. Um, Hashtags last game of the year. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag well exactly. played game of the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>